What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So this is my first time in the studio on a Tuesday night from 7 to 8. This is my segment every single week, weekly segment, 7 to 8 p.m. on WZBC AM Sports Radio. I'll talk a bunch of sports. I mean, over the summer, I had this podcast. I talked everything from the NBA free agency to the MLB, the trade deadline in the MLB, all the way to the NHL draft, the NBA draft, NFL free agency, what was going on there. Preview the NFL season with my buddy, the sports guru, Mike Hurley, on it. Talked everything in college sports, from college hockey to college football. Talk everything on it, and hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy it. As I said, it'll be every single Tuesday night from 7 to 8 o'clock. Then on Wednesday nights, me and my co-host, Zach Cruz, will have my show 8 to 9 p.m. Our show, The Playbook of Joey and Zach. So my show will be Tuesday nights, 7 to 8, for the Primetime Sports Podcast. And then Wednesday nights... 8 to 9 p.m. on WZBC AM Sports Radio for the playbook with Joey and Zach. So hope you guys enjoyed that. I'll be back on again tomorrow night from 8 to 9. So to start off tonight, I'm going to talk about the Celtics. They have the season opener tonight against the 76ers. Shout out E, big Sixers fan, so we're going to preview that game. Also, the Lakers will be heading to Golden State tonight to play the Warriors. So the Warriors have their ring ceremony tonight, their season opener as well. So it's the NBA opening night is tonight. Celtics, Sixers, and then Lakers and Warriors I'll give some predictions for the NBA season. I think I'm going to do a little bit more of that tomorrow, maybe, since I didn't get to prepare enough for that. I was really preparing a lot for the MLB playoffs, so I'll talk a lot about that. The Phillies-Padres start tonight in the NLCS. I'll preview that as well. I'll talk about the Yankees and Guardians game. Game 5 is today. I'll talk about that game what happened there. I'll give some background of the Phillies and the Padres when both of them will last in the NLCS. And then I'll also talk about the Patriots. They could have a quarterback controversy. Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi. Who would have ever known to be sitting here going into week seven with a quarterback controversy between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi? So that'll be very interesting, obviously, to talk about. Hopefully, we'll have some people call in. As always, just shoot me a text at 617-596-3150 if you'd like to call in. Give me a text. Let me know you want to call in. I'll have you come on. We'll talk some sports, as always, uh, about anything. And we can talk about the Bruins as well, which I know the sports guru, Mike Curley, big Bruins guy. Maybe we'll get him on at some point tonight, talk some Bruins. The Bruins are playing very well as of late, too. We'll see. We can go anywhere with this. Also, Northeastern Hockey will be hosting BC Hockey tonight at 7 o'clock. Big game there. Big Hockey East showdown on Tuesday night at Matthews Arena. So I'll talk about that game as well. Maybe even give you guys some live updates of what's going on there. As I said about Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi, that's a big quarterback controversy. Today I watched 985 The Sports Hub with Greg Bedard. Tuesdays with Greg Bedard, the best segment in all of sports radio. He was on today talking about Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones, but he's staying with Mac Jones. I think Bailey Zappi is not a starting quarterback, doesn't think he has the caliber of being a starting quarterback, doesn't have the ability. So we'll see, obviously. I mean, he's played well in the two games he started in. Obviously came in three weeks ago now against that Green Bay Packers team that the Giants beat, the Jets just beat. So the Packers, honestly, are a very beatable team. And Bailey Zappi played there at Lambeau, not knowing he's going to get a shot being the backup, and he ends up getting a chance, obviously, of playing well in that game. So we'll see what happens there between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. The Patriots do play Monday Night Football this upcoming week. In Chicago, so we'll see what happens there. I think it is in Chicago. Let me make sure here. I'll make sure it's in Chicago just to be 100% positive. No, it's home. The Patriots are home at Gillette Stadium versus the Pack versus the Chicago Bears, 8-15 Monday night, Monday night football. So we'll see what happens there. Anyways, I'm going to start off with the Celtics. As always, if anyone wants to call in, as I said, just text me at 617-596-3150. Already a text from the sports legend, Mark Walsh calling in at some point tonight. He just said he'll be available to call in. So hopefully I'll have him come on, maybe talk some Celtics sixes, 
Maybe talk some Bruins as well, too. He calls in. He talks everything just like the sports guru Mike Hurley does. It's open for everyone tonight. 7-8, I'll be on here with a lot to talk about. As I said, I didn't really get to do enough background on my NBA season predictions. I'm going to do that tomorrow at some point. I wanted to do that tonight, but just didn't get to. We had an intro softball game tonight. I actually, ended up, I actually had to miss half of my sports business class to go to the intro softball game. Ended up losing a tough game. I forget what the final score was. Might have been like 15-10. to 10. Tough game tonight. Honestly, we didn't play bad, though. I mean, we only had nine guys. The other team had ten. Other team could hit a ton as well. Uh, we, didn't even have, we didn't even have that many errors. It was just, you know, they outplayed us and just could hit well. We didn't play that bad. We actually had a good game. And considering all the ailments we had, had some kids with some injuries, shoulder injuries, a concussion, we still played well, gave it our all out there. And obviously some guys had to miss the big Yankees game five game versus the Guardians. So uh, tough game tonight, integral softball. We do have an integral flag football game tonight, big playoff game there. We had the three seed in that we were 4-0 in the regular season with a couple blowout wins, a couple close wins as well. But uh, anyways, I'll get into the Celtics now. I know I went on a little sidetrack there. So I'll start off with the Celtics. Celtics season openers tonight, 7.30 p.m. tonight at the TD Garden versus the Philadelphia 76ers. As for injuries, I'm going to preview with that. The Celtics did have some injuries, obviously, in the offseason. Danilo Gallinari, power forward, the Celtics signed in the offseason, is out with a torn ACL. Not sure about the time frame there, but probably out the whole season. Then center Robert Williams will be out the first few months of the season with a left knee procedure. Tough to lose both of those guys. Obviously, Rob Williams, I think, is the biggest X-factor on the Celtics team. And when you have a big X-factor like Robert Williams, you could get 10, 5, and 5 every night. You could get 5 blocks, that is. He's going to give you 10 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 blocks a night at least in limited minutes. When he plays a full game, he can give you 15, 12, and, and 4. Or five blocks. He can give you anything, give you steals as well. So, Robert Williams is the biggest X factor on the Celtics team. Obviously, without him, it is a loss. Uh, and hopefully, he gets back in that Celtics lineup soon. As for the 76s, from all my reports I was looking at online, they don't really have any injuries uh, online. So, we'll see what happens there. Uh, as for Robert Williams, he will be out probably about two to three months, maybe half the season, um, at least the first half of the season. So, we'll see what happens there. The Celtics head coach will be Joe Mazzula who was an assistant coach of the Celtics since 2019 on the Brad Stevens staff. When the Celtics had Brad Stevens end up uh, becoming the president of basketball operations, Brad Stevens went up high, you know, higher up into the executive office. And then obviously the Celtics got Ime Udoka from the assistant uh, coaching staff for the Brooklyn Nets. Udoka obviously had uh, issues in the offseason uh, during the season last year. Now he's getting suspended in the offseason. Uh, he's suspended for the year due to violating team policies, as you guys may know. I think that's honestly it for Ime Odoka. I think at the end of the day, when you look at it, people talked about the Alex Cora suspension. That's very different. Alex Cora suspended by the MLB because of what he was doing in Houston with the Astros and the sign-stealing scandal. As for Ime Odoka, he was suspended by the Celtics. So by the Celtics team. I don't think he's going to come back and end up becoming the Celtics uh, head coach again next season after the one-year suspension is up. I think he is done with the Boston Celtics. And I think Joe Mazzulla, as of now, I know he's the interim head coach right now. He might be the head coach for years to come, depending on how he does this year. Obviously, he was an assistant coach of the Celtics with Brad Stevens for a couple years and then one year with Emir Odoka. So he knows the Celtics system, knows the lineup, obviously knows the guys off the bench, obviously has a good uh, feel for the game, what the Celtics want to do, obviously trying to win NBA Finals. I'm sure he's looking forward to being the head coach of them this season. As for the Celtics lineup, projected starting lineup is Marcus Smart starting at point guard, Derek White at the shooting guard position. Obviously, Derek White could come off the bench. Malcolm Brogdon, who the Celtics got in the offseason, honestly could have been starting at that shooting guard position. He's really a combo guard at 1-2. Uh, he could play point guard and shooting guard. He's really a combo, a mix between the two of them. Small forward will be Jalen Brown, power forward Jason Tatum, and then center will be Al Horford with Malcolm Brogdon as the sixth man. As for the 76ers, 
It'll be Tyrese Maxey starting at point guard. He had a very good year last year for them at point at the point guard position. Former Kentucky Wildcat. I was a big fan of him coming out of the draft. I honestly wanted the Celtics to get him. Obviously, it didn't work out trying to get him, but he's playing great with the 76ers, so respect there for him. Shooting guard will be James Harden. Obviously, Harden signed a two-year deal in the offseason for less money to stay in Philadelphia. Obviously, wanted to keep money for them to sign other guys in the offseason. That obviously helped with them getting their starting small forward or power forward, that is. Small forward will be Tobias Harris. Their starting power forward they got in the offseason is P.J. Tucker, who they signed in a three-year deal, uh, got him out of Miami, and signed him to the 76ers. So that was obviously money that they had in getting uh, Tucker was the money that Harden gave up, obviously, and Harden, as he said, I want to win, and uh, that money they saved, and obviously get P.J. Tucker in the offseason. The center is obviously a superstar in Joel Embiid, could be the MVP this year. If I did my predictions right now, honestly, Joel Embiid's in there, probably top two. He honestly could have won each of the last couple seasons now. Last season, obviously could have, and then a couple years ago had some injuries, but I think at the end of the day, Joel Embiid, whenever he's healthy, is one of the best players in the NBA, a top three player in the NBA every single year when healthy. Then sixth man, Matisse Tybel off the bench. So the Celtics and the Sixers did split the season series last year, 2-2. Two two. The Sixers swept the Celtics in the 2020-2021 NBA season, but last season, 2-2 two two split in the 2021-2022 NBA season. Much different teams now, so we'll see what happens there. As for prediction tonight, I think it's going to be a very close game. Let me see what the line is in Vegas. I don't really gamble at all, but I always check to see who's favored. I'm sure the Celtics are. Celtics are favored by three points. I think it'll be a very close game. As of now, I think it's going to be a one-to-two-point game. I'll give the Celtics an edge. Celtics by two. We'll see what happens there. As for the Yankees game, game five versus the uh, Cleveland Guardians. I'm going to give you guys a breakdown of that game before I preview tonight's Lakers and Golden State Warriors game opening night ring ceremony for that Warriors team. The Yankees are up right now, 5-1 to one in the top of the ninth inning. The Yankees have Wandy Peralta on the mound to close out this game. Uh, very big chance for this Yankees team to close out this game and go to the ALCS to face the Houston Astros. Garrett Cole is warming up in the bullpen as well. I want to keep you guys updated on that. Up at the plate right now is no other than Josh Newa, the Cleveland Guardians designated hitter. who is struggling now in the postseason, hitting just 200 with just one home run and three RBIs. But the regular season at 256 with 20 home runs and 79 RBIs. The Yankees are up right now, 5-1, to one, top of the ninth. Nobody out, nobody on base. For the Yankees, they honestly had a lot of power in the first few innings. Giancarlo Stanton had a two-run home run, a three-run home run off Aaron Savali in the first inning. Aaron Savali, former Northeastern Husky, 2016 third-round pick to the Cleveland Guardians. I was a big fan of Savali at Northeastern. I broke it down today on my podcast, which this radio show is my podcast. It's kind of just a two-in-one. Whenever I can record an episode on my own, upload to Spotify. When I'm not in the studio, I'm going to do that. And then, obviously, Tuesday nights, I'll be in the studio here at 7, 8 o'clock. I talked about that game today and previewed it. I actually had the Yankees losing a 5-4 to four ball game. I thought it would be closer than this. I thought Savali would go maybe 5-6 to six innings since in his last 10 games, he pitched very well. His last four games of the season was his only really healthy stretch of the season. But his last 10 games of the season, he was 3-1. and one. His last 10 starts in 51 innings, giving up. Uh, he only gave up. He only had three ERAs. So he gave up too many runs. A three ERA in 51 innings pitched in his last 10 games with a 198 opponent batting average, a .86 whip, and 7.57 strikeouts per walk with a 3-1 win-loss record. In his first 10 games of the season, though, a 2-5 record in 46 innings pitch with a 7.04 ERA, a 3-1 opponent batting average, a 1.54 whip, which whip stands for walks and hits allowed per inning pitched, and three strikeouts per walk. Savali did not have it today, though, for that Guardians team. That was actually his postseason debut. Only could get one out in a third innings pitched, giving up two hits, 
Three earned runs, a walk, had a strikeout, and then obviously gave that three-run home run to Giancarlo Stanton. I did talk about today. Giancarlo Stanton was hitting, I believe, let me make sure here, but he was hitting very low. I think it was like 0-8-6 or something in the postseason uh, before that game today. Uh, let me make sure. I want to make sure I'm 100% on this. Stanton was hitting just .083 in the postseason with one home run and three RBIs and a .533 OPS heading into today. Obviously came up big when it mattered most in today's game, hitting that three-run home run for that Yankees team in the first inning. The Yankees obviously got a home run as well out of Aaron Judge. That was in the second inning off a reliever. Um, and then that was a solo shot. So the Yankees ended up being up 4 to nothing after the first two innings. The Guardians did respond with a run in the third inning on a sacrifice fly to center field. Harrison Bader in center field made that play off the bat of Jose Ramirez. Austin Hedges scored. Uh, that was really all they got going on offense for that Guardians team. They were held to just held to just six hits, two of those coming from Stephen Kwan. Their leadoff hit hitting 300 in the postseason. Right now, it is a guy on first base off a single from Gabriel Arias, singled to shortstop uh, Isaiah Kainafalefa. It was deflected by second baseman Gleyber Torres from infield single there for Gabriel Arias. So they have a guy on first base with one out, Wandy Peralta up, still pitching to Andre Jimenez. So the Guardians still have life. One out, guy on first base in the top of the ninth inning. As for what the Yankees did on offense besides those two guys, so Judge was two for four with an RBI, obviously being a home run with two strikeouts. He struck out his first at-bat in the first inning. That was actually the only out recorded by Aaron Savali. As for Anthony Rizzo, he's one for three with an RBI. Stanton's one for four with, with that three-run home run. And then besides that, not really much offense. The Yankees only have six hits as well. They've struck out 12 times. The Guardians only struck out six. So that Guardians pitching staff did strike out a lot of guys. As for the Guardians at the end of this game, Classe, their closer came in the game. Emmanuel Classe, a reliever all-star this year for that Guardians team, came in for one and a third innings pitch, striking out two guys and only walking one. That bullpen pitched very well for that Cleveland Guardians bullpen. Pitched very well in this offseason. If you look at their ERAs and the four guys that came in in relief, say 284 ERA, 159 ERA, a zero ERA, and a zero ERA. So that bullpen kept him in this game, obviously being down 5-1, to one, a tough start to the game for Savali. I thought he was going to go maybe 5-6 to six innings today, giving up a couple runs. I think my prediction was 2-3 to three runs given up with five strikeouts, a walk, and maybe going uh, 5 or 6 innings. Obviously, that wasn't the deal today for that team. Unfortunately, I was rooting for him to do well. Anyways, I'll keep you guys updated on what happens there. I'm going to now talk about the Lakers and the Warriors tonight, that season opener. And I also want to preview that Northeastern BC hockey game, which actually just dropped the puck in that game. Northeastern coming off a loss on Friday night to the Providence. Friars at home. Tough game for Northeastern, losing that game. But one good thing for Northeastern is they got some scoring opportunities. Lost the game 2-1. to one. If you look at what they did in that game, though, they did get 13 shots on goal in the third period. But they were dominated on shots on goal overall. 51 shots on goal for that Providence Friars team compared to Northeastern's just 31 shots on goal. Northeastern won 32 faceoffs out of 60 faceoff opportunities. And Northeast had 19 shots blocked, 213 for Providence. Providence only had 13 shots blocked. As for Providence, they were up right away, 2-1. to one. They had a goal from Riley Duran and then a goal from Patrick Moynihan and a power play goal. Northeast responded with a Gunna Wolf, Gunna Wagon, Fontaine power play goal in the second period. An assist to Ada McDonough and Sam Colangelo. And then Northeastern didn't really get anything going after that. So a tough game for that Northeastern hockey team. As for tonight, they get a chance to go up against BC and maybe redeem themselves against a good Northeastern team, obviously a good BC team. It's a good team, obviously, to go up against on Tuesday night. BC coming off a win this weekend at UNH, which I'm going to break down that game as well, tell you guys what happened there. BC won this weekend. 
in that game, 4-2 against UNH, had two goals from Colby Ambrosio, a goal from Liam Isaac, and then a goal from Mitch Andres. As for uh, who assisted those guys, Trevor Kunta had an assist on that Andres goal, and then Isaac was assisted by Andres, and then Colby Ambrosio had a goal with an assist from Nikita Nestorenko in that third period. As a uh, BC's goalie, he pitched very, he played very well, which I was going to say pitch because I'm thinking so much about uh, baseball here. Mitch Benson, transfer goalie from Colgate, pitch, uh, played very well in net for that BC team, stopping 30, 28 out of a 29 out of 31 shots opportunities. Obviously, BC played very well in the first two periods, out shooting that UNH, UNH team 24 to 20. Then in that third period, UNH beat BC in shots 11 to 6, but uh, BC ended up staying strong. Did give up a goal in the third period. Kyle, Eric, Kyle Erickson, which, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Kelly Erickson of that UNH team made a 3 to 2 game, and then Kobe Ambrosio scored with about a minute to go. Uh, to make it a 4-2 game, and BC ended up winning that. So, big win for BC. Obviously, in that game, BC playing Northeastern tonight. As for Northeastern, BC killed a power play Northeastern had, and then they drew a penalty of their own against Northeastern. Northeastern ended up killing that penalty uh, and really couldn't get much going. Besides that, Colangelo did have Northeastern's first shot on goal. After that, during that uh, power play, or the penalty kill, that is. Uh, and then... As for some other things to look out for, Holy Cross is playing AIC tonight in hockey. AIC right now is down one to nothing already. Uh, Liam McClinsky for that Holy Cross team put AIC down one nothing. Holy Cross already up one to nothing. As for AIC though, they played very well this weekend. Uh, would you guys know I'm a big AIC hockey fan? They went up against Niagara this weekend, beating them five to two on Saturday night. So big win for that AIC team. They beat them on Friday night six to three. So 5-2 and 6-3, that's 11-5. They beat that Niagara team this weekend in that second game, getting two goals from the great Blake Bennett. He had a power play goal in the third period and then an unassisted goal with about a minute to go in that last period as well. So big win for that AIC hockey team they're playing tonight. AIC, obviously you guys know, have made the tournament each of the last three years. Uh, they have won the Atlantic Hockey Division four straight years. The regular season have won the tournament three straight years. Uh, they are 2-1-2 on the year with a 2-0 record in the Atlantic Hockey Conference. Tonight's another opportunity for them to build on that Atlantic Hockey Conference record. Holy Cross 0-4 on the year, AIC 2-1-2. So we'll see what happens there. I know I'm going all over the place here. Too much is going on in sports. The Yankees end up winning this game with Wandy Peralta on the mound. Garrett Cole did not have to come into the game. The Yankees end up winning this game 5-1 against that Guardians team. Now game one of that ALCS Game will be tomorrow, actually. Very interesting. Quick turnoff for the Yankees team. The Houston Astros will be pitching Justin Verlander, who has not had a great postseason. Justin Verlander has not pitched well in the postseason. Uh, we'll see who pitches for that Yankees team. Uh, there's no word on who's going to be on the mound for them. But in that first game against the Mariners in the postseason, in the, I believe it was the American Divisional Round, American League Divisional Round versus the Mariners, four innings pitched for uh, Justin Verlander, only going Four innings, giving up six runs, a home run, striking out three with a walk, and giving up 10 hits in four innings pitch. So he's a 13-5 ERA on the year. He will be on the mound for that Houston team tomorrow at 7.37 p.m. At 4.35 p.m. tomorrow will be the Phillies and Padres' second game of the NLCS, which I want to preview that game. I'm going all over the place. I really didn't have an agenda here. I was really just going off the top of the head here, which 
But at the end of the day, so much is going on in sports. I can really talk about anything. I got college hockey out of the way already. Um, I obviously talked the Celtics. Gave some predictions there. The Celtics winning by two tonight in a close game. Uh, I still will preview tonight's Lakers-Warriors game. Uh, but now I'm going to move on quickly to that Padres-Phillies uh, series, which is starting tonight. So the Padres were the five seed out of seven in the uh, NL. The Phillies were the sixth out of seven uh, in the NL. But if you look at it, both of those teams made a run in the postseason, obviously being very low seeds, uh, or six out of six it was, excuse me, I was wrong. I was thinking there were seven, because that's what the NFL is now. The Padres were the fifth seed out of seven, or six, excuse me, in the NL, and then the Phillies were the sixth seed out of six in the NL. I was wrong there. I'm thinking so much about the NFL, which I'm going to talk about that as well. I'm really just talking everything here. Uh, both were the wild card bids, the lowest two wild card seeds in the NL. Both have made a run. The Phillies beat the reigning World Series champs, the Atlanta Braves, three to one in the NLDS, and then they also beat the St. Louis Cardinals, who had a great season. St. Louis Cardinals, ninety-three and sixty-nine uh, team on the year, beat them in the wild card series, two to zero. As for the Padres, they beat the one hundred eleven win uh, Dodgers team. The Dodgers had one hundred eleven wins on the year in five games in the NLDS, and then obviously beat. The New York Mets, who had another great year as well, with 101 wins and 61 losses. They beat that New York Mets team in three games in the Wildcard Series. So both teams have earned a spot to play tonight in the NLCS. Tonight is Game 1 at 8.03 p.m. in San Diego. The regular season, the Phillies did win the series 4-3 with 21 runs scored to 15 runs allowed. So just the reverse of the Padres, 3-4 record with 15 runs scored and 21 runs allowed. The Phillies were 3-1 in San Diego at Petco Park. On the season, they will play tonight at Petco Park. The last time they played was in June for a three-game set in San Diego. The Phillies lost game one of that series, one to nothing, but then ended up winning game two, four to two, and then won game three, eight to five. On the mound for each team tonight is Hugh Darvish for the San Diego Padres and Zach Wheeler for the Philadelphia Phillies. Wheeler, 12-7 record in the regular season with a 2-8-2 ERA and 163 strikeouts and 153 innings pitched with a 1.04 whip. He has an 0-1 record in two postseason starts this year with a 2.19 ERA and nine strikeouts in 12 and a third innings pitched. He did stone the Cardinals in the wild card round, six and a third innings pitched with two hits allowed, zero runs, and four strikeouts to one walk. As for the Padres, in the regular season, he faced them in just one start on May 18th, going seven innings, allowing four hits, no runs, and had nine strikeouts to no walks. As for Hugh Davish, had a 16-8 record, on the year with a 3.1 ERA, 197 strikeouts, and 194 and two-thirds innings pitched with a .95 whip. He was 2-0 in two postseason starts this year heading into this game tonight with a 3 ERA, a flat 3 that is, and 11 strikeouts in 12 innings pitched. His last outing was versus the Dodgers, 5 innings pitched with 7 hits allowed and 3 home runs allowed. All 3 earned runs he had, all of them being home runs in that game. All solo home runs with 7 strikeouts and 2 walks. Versus the Phillies in the regular season, Davish faced them two times. May 19th, San Diego won that game 2 to nothing. Davish actually picked up the win in that game, going seven innings, giving up no runs with five strikeouts and six hits allowed. As of June 26th, that was the second start versus the Phillies. San Diego lost that game 8-5. to Tough game for that uh, San Diego Padres team. He did go six innings in that game with seven hits allowed, three earned runs, and nine strikeouts to one walk. So we'll see what happens in tonight's game. As for the Phillies, guys to watch out for. The Phillies leaders, I mean, they have a ton of great players, as do the Padres. I mean, both teams you could talk all day about. 2021 National League MVP, Bryce Hopper has been on a tear for them in the postseason for the Philadelphia Phillies team. Three home runs, six RBIs, 10 hits, and 23 at-bats. 
to go along with three doubles and a 435 batting average and a 957 slugging percentage in the postseason in a 1437 OPS. He's been on a tear for them. He's one guy to keep your eye on. He's probably been the best player in the postseason in all of the major leagues. Brandon Mosh, another guy to keep your eye on for that Phillies team. He was acquired at the trade deadline by the Philadelphia Phillies to, from the LA Angels. They made a trade with them right at the deadline. He's been great in the playoffs for them, too. Hitting 308 for batting average with a 400 on base percentage, a 1092 slugging percentage, a home run, and four RBIs. Brad Hand has been great for them in relief in three appearances with a 1-0 record, two hits allowed, and zero runs allowed in two and two-thirds innings pitched with three strikeouts and no walks. David Robinson, who is off of the NLDS roster for that Phillies team, he's out with a calf injury after celebrating their wild card celebration uh, after they beat the Cardinals. He was hurt, hurt his calf during that celebration. He was off the National League Divisional Series roster, but now he will be back on their NLCS roster for tonight. Huge ad for their bullpen. They acquired him at the trade deadline from the Chicago Cubs. As for the Padres, who to look out for? Center fielder Trent Grisham has been their best player for the po- in the postseason for them at the plate, hitting 381 with a 1329 OPS, three home runs, five RBIs in seven games played. Star outfielder Juan Soto is another guy to keep your eye on. I'm sure all you guys know the name. Hitting 250 in the postseason with no home runs, three RBIs in a 586 uh, OPS. He's been struggling. 586 OPS, no home runs, three RBIs in a 250 batting average. Soto's typically a lot better than that. I expect him to get hot tonight. The Padres GM, AJ Preller, did trade a haul for him, a haul of prospects, that is, and some major league talent to land him at the deadline. Obviously, with the Padres going all in, they thought they'd have their star shortstop and outfielder, uh, to, uh, Fernando Tatis, ended up being suspended by the major leagues due to PEDs and now ends up missing all the postseason this year and then ends up missing regular seasons, uh, regular season games next year and also missed the remainder of regular season games this year as well. So tough loss there for them. Obviously, they'd be a lot better of a team with them, but they made the NLCS without him, and they can get just as hot without him, obviously. Third baseman Manny Machado hitting two ninety six in the postseason with a nine eighty OPS, two home runs, and five RBIs. He's another guy to keep your eye on. That lineup is very scary, as is the Phillies lineup, Nick Castellanos, did get hot in a couple games for them in the postseason. Brandon Marsh, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber, another guy to keep your eye on. Had a great regular season for that Phillies team. If you look at what he did in the regular season, 46 home runs. Hit just 218 in the regular season, but had 200 strikeouts. That's another thing. He does strike out a lot, but did add 94 RBIs, 86 walks, 46 strikeouts. Uh, 46 home runs, that is, excuse me, with 200 strikeouts, a ton of strikeouts, and 100 runs scored. As for another guy to keep your eye on, Nick Castellanos who hit a ton uh, for the Cincinnati Reds over the years. Had a good year this year for the Phillies offensively at the plate, hitting 263. Did not hit as many home runs as he typically does. Only 13 home runs, but did hit 62 RBIs and had 56 runs scored. Was not as good of a season as he should have had, but still a decent year. And if he can get hot for them in the postseason, that's all they're probably asking for, really. He did have a big game for them against the Braves uh, on October 14th. He was 2-4 for with two RBIs. Uh, and had a big game for them, obviously, in that game. So hopefully he gets hot for them. As the Padres, I know we got a little sidetrack there. Manny Machado hitting 296 in the postseason. And then reliever Josh Hader, who the Padres acquired at the trade deadline from Milwaukee, has been shut out and turned his back, turned back in time uh, for that Padres team uh, to his dominant days from just a year ago now. In four postseason appearances for the Padres this year, he has three saves and three save opportunities with only one hit, no runs allowed, and four and one-third innings pitched with seven strikeouts to one walk. Uh, so he's been locked down for that Phillies, uh, for that Padres team, and I expect him to be playing great for them as well uh, tonight in that NLCS game. 
game one. As a background of this matchup, this is the Phillies' first time in the NLCS since 2010, the Padres' first time in the NLCS since 1998. The Phillies fired their manager, Joe Girardi, during the season, and then they ended up going on a tear. They went on a run after that with interim manager Rob Thompson in charge at the helm. They went 65-46, and 46, 65 wins, 46 losses, with a 586 win percentage after Girardi was fired. The last three times a Philadelphia baseball team has won the World Series, and this is a random fact. The last three times a Philadelphia baseball team has won the World Series, there was a financial crisis right around that time, according to Morning Stew on Twitter. 1929, the Philadelphia Athletics won the World Series, obviously ended up with a financial crisis around then, the Great Depression. 1980, there was another financial crisis, the Phillies won the World Series in that year, and then the Phillies won in 2008, right around the 08, 09 recession. So... Obviously, this year could be another uh, Phillies World Series win. That means keep your eye out on another recession. Hopefully, we don't have that. But obviously, that was a random trend. I saw that today online. Hopefully, uh, the Phillies end up winning the World Series this year. They're my pick. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're my pick to win the World Series this year. I'm rooting for them. But hopefully, keep their financial crisis out of it. As for my predictions for the series, I have the Phillies winning in six games. Phillies in six games. And then for the Astros and the Yankees series, that's tough. That's tough for me to go uh, to pick. Obviously, both teams very good. Both of them the two highest seeds in the American League. Uh, I'm going to break down how they did against each other in the regular season. Just give me one second here. As to who I think is going to win that series, I am going to go Houston Astros in seven games. That is my prediction. Astros in seven. I was going to go six, but I think this is going to go seven games. Astros in six games. As for how the Yankees fit against the Astros in the regular season, the Yankees are two and five against the Astros in the regular season giving up 27 runs and scoring just 22. So the Yankees had a minus five run differential with a 286 win percentage and a two and five record in the regular season versus that Astros team. But if you look at what the Yankees did in the regular season versus that Guardians team, they were five and one with 38 runs scored and 14 runs allowed. So maybe what they did against the regular season teams against the Guardians, they obviously they did great against. Maybe what they did against the Guardians in the regular season illustrated what they were going to do in the postseason with them winning in five games. As for what they did against the Astros in the regular season, hopefully it's different for the Yankees team being 2-5. and five. As for the Astros, flip it. They were 5-2 and two against the Yankees in the regular season with 27 runs scored to 21, 22 runs allowed. We'll see what happens, obviously, there with a 7-14 win percentage for that uh, Houston Astros team. I think the Astros end up winning this series in seven games. I think their pitching is great, and obviously they had more time off to rest their bullpen with the Yankees having to go right to Houston tonight after tonight's game to play game one tomorrow night. I think that's too quick of a turnaround for that Yankees team. So I got the Houston Astros in seven games. I got the Philadelphia Phillies in six games. And then we'll see what happens in the postseason in the World Series. Uh, we'll see my predictions out there. As for Northeastern, quick update on that game. Goal from Aiden McDonough, a one-timer from the spot off the post. Off Mitch Benson and into the pipes for Northeastern goal. 1-0 on the power play for Northeastern. They lead this game already. Big game for Northeastern, as I said. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a big Northeastern Huskies fan. Tonight's a big game for them. They're up 1-0 already with four minutes to go in the first period. A goal from Ada McDonough with an assist from Gunnawell Fontaine and an assist from Sam Colangelo. So they get a lot of goal-scoring opportunities, obviously, especially considering uh, they turned it up in that third period against that Providence Friars team. And obviously tonight being up 1-0 is good for that Northeastern team. As for shots on goal, Northeastern has 10 shots or 9 shots on goal, 2 BCs 10 uh, in the first period with four minutes to go. Uh, Northeastern has won seven faceoffs out of 15, so it's a good stat there for BC, winning eight out of 15. Northeastern wins a lot of faceoffs typically, so being up eight to seven in faceoffs one is very impressive. So we'll see what happens in that Northeastern game. I'll keep you guys posted about that. 
Uh, we're going to see who I can get to call in here. Maybe get Mark Walsh. Maybe get my uncle here. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, to talk some Patriots. There's a lot to talk about there. Um, I can preview tonight's uh, uh, Golden State Warriors LA Lakers game. Uh, keep you guys posted about that. I'll keep you guys uh, up to date with that Northeastern game uh, as well. So, as for tonight, is the ring ceremony for the uh, Golden State Warriors after winning the NBA Finals in 2022. The Los Angeles Lakers will be heading to Golden State to play tonight. The Warriors ring ceremony, as I said, will be tonight before the game at the Chase Center. Tip-off is at 10 o'clock. Draymond Green, who fought with Jonah Poole during a Warriors practice two weeks ago now. I'm not sure if he's going to play in tonight's game. He took a leave of absence from the team, so I'm not sure if he will be suiting up for them. Head coach Steve Kerr he does not think the Golden State Warriors big three of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green will be ready to play 30-plus minutes yet, so we'll see what happens there. A lot is in question for this Lakers team, though. Under Davin Ham, first-year head coach for them. They obviously fired uh, Frank Vogel in the offseason. And obviously, uh, Russell Westbrook, that's another big storyline for them, who could potentially come off the bench for them, which he did in the last preseason game for them, would be the first time in his 14-year career, now this is year 15 for him, that he's come off the bench. He started all 78 games for that Lakers team last year, uh, playing very well for them, 18.5 points. Uh, obviously, shooting-wise, everyone's going to be critical of. But what I want to say is he finished the season very well, played very well for them in his last 10 games played. Overall, in the year, 18.5 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game to go, to go along with 7.1 assists. In 10 games, uh, at the end of that Lakers season last year, Russ played very well and did not get any recognition for it. He played very well. I mentioned over the summer on my podcast. In his last 10 games played, shot 52.1% from the floor with a 41.5% shooting percentage from three to go along with 22.2 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game, 7.1 assists per game, and had 20-plus points in each of the la- eight of the last 10 games at the end of last season. The Lakers were 2-8 and eight over that stretch, and it was not Russell Westbrook's fault by any means, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens there. I think Russell Westbrook has a better year uh, this year. Anyways, so that's my preview of the uh, Celtics. War, uh, Sixes game, the Lakers and Warriors game. I gave you guys some updates about that BC hockey and Northeastern hockey game at Matthews Arena. Kept you guys updated about that AIC Holy Cross game. Obviously broke down what happened in that ALCS game today uh, for the Yankees uh, versus the Guardians. Uh, and then obviously talked about the Phillies, Padres, NLCS uh, matchup. So now I'm going to have my uncle come on and then hopefully maybe get Mark Walsh on after that. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, let me shoot them a text really quick. So I'm going to get my uncle on first and then going to go on and get the legend Mark Walsh. So we'll see what they got to say uh, about these respective uh, topics. Whatever they want to talk about, as I always say, it's very open to talk anything. Anything sports that you guys want to talk, very wide open. Just come on, talk anything. It's kind of uh, what I do here. I did have an agenda to a degree, but I did just spitball a lot of stuff. And I'm sorry for the rambling. I just try to get a lot in in that 35-minute window uh, since I started. So going to get my uncle on first. Uh, to talk anything, and then uh, we'll see where we go from there. Hope you guys enjoy it. What's going on, Uncle Frankie? How we doing? Oh, there we go. It just canceled on me. Hold on. We'll try to get him back. One second. That's what happens sometimes, some technical difficulties. There is a way to call into the studio, but... I mean, we had some problems last year trying to do it since it shows up live on air for you guys that are listening online on WZBC AM Sports Radio. But there's no way for us to hear it in the studio. I mean, we can hear it through the phone, but there's no way for it to pick up on our voice memos uh, for it to be live, uh, you know, to go on to Spotify and all that. So we'll see what happens, obviously. Uh, hopefully I can try to figure out a way to get the phone in the studio to work. But as of now, I just do FaceTime audio. 
So we'll see if we can get him uh, now to call in. Sometimes you just have no luck with it. Uh, it's technical difficulties. That's just what happens sometimes when you're in the studio. So I'm going to try my best here to get him on. Give me one second here. Maybe I'll see if I can get Mark Walsh. I'm not sending for him for some reason, so see if I can get Mark Walsh here. All right, works in Mark Walsh. All right, we're going Mark Walsh. Get him on first. All right, hey, here we are with my uncle, Uncle Frankie. Thank you so much for coming on. I apologize, everyone, for the technical difficulties. We were really struggling here to get ends to meet, but here we are. We are live on air. It's all good. How are we doing, Uncle Frankie? What's going on? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The Bruins are having a tough start. I saw that. Three nothing? Yeah, well, they called off the goal because it was a goalie interference. Guy was on the crease. It's only 2 nothing. All right, we'll take it. That's well, you know what's you know, I you know it's funny. I had so many thoughts. I, I mean, I, tonight I'm thinking about Celtics and Bruins because the Celtics are starting tonight, and you know it seems to me that they just have to sort of find their identity until they get Time Lord back. I mean, they're going nowhere long term, mm -hmm. but he's got to be perfect. I mean, last year he was hurt. They had to try to get him in, but. Mm -hmm. They do need him. They need him healthy. I think he's the biggest X factor for this Celtics team. I think we've talked about it in the past. When Robert Williams is healthy, the Celtics are a different team. They're a different uh, team. Without him. I mean, and you don't see anybody driving the lane. Even LeBron will go in and he'll turn around and kick the ball out. I mean, he's not physically intimidated, but he's not going to be able to shoot over him. You're right. You know? You're right. He's the he's the biggest game changer defensively. I mean, I think you know you could argue Marcus. Uh, you know, smart. Is, is, is great, but I don't know. I think Time Lord changes the team much more than that. I agree with you. Hopefully, we get him back healthy. I think it's a couple months, right? Two to three months. Oh, at uh, least. Well, you know, off, if, but. You have a, if you have a cartilage injury, it can be two months to heal. But I mean, he had some kind of re injury, so I'm concerned. So you never hear the whole story. And the orthopedist never tell you that he screwed up by sending him back too early. That's what I mean, happens. It was running around two weeks after the surgery. I mean, you know, I did some orthopedic surgery rotations. Mm -hmm. I, did, I did pediatrics in a former life for those of you on the radio. He's a doctor. Yeah, he knows this yeah. stuff. Anyway, that maybe damaged some of his, you know, bone cartilage. And that, you know, that ended Cam Neely's career. I mean, it's not, not the kind of thing you want to mess around with a 25-year-old kid. Definitely. So. You're right. You know your stuff. I always go to, this is the guy I always go to whenever I had some injuries in sports, arm injuries, leg injuries, ankle injuries. But, you know, we're out of Castle Island uh, in the water, icing my ankle when I heard it like March of 2019. He knows I said that was a good remedy. My ankle had actually ended up repairing quick. Works great. It's some cold remedy. And people laugh, but it works. And the ice water, the ocean water, you, know, you get pressure on it because it's sort of the deeper you are, the more pressure is down at the feet. Definitely. Anyway, so I don't want to give away all my secrets. No, yeah, we won't give away any. We won't give away too much. We'll keep that for next time, obviously. But I do agree with you about uh, obviously Robert Williams being an X factor for the Celtics team. How do you feel about the Celtics tonight going up against the Sixers with Joel Embiid in the lineup, without obviously having Robert Williams out there too uh, to protect the paint? I think it's going to be tough. You know, I, I I think without Robert Williams, and you know, there we go. That's my fault. That's my fault. My phone. I don't know what happened there, but. I think it's gonna. I mean, I think you know. I don't know enough about Malcolm Brogdon and his condition in the off season. And you know, is he gonna be able to be the kind of guy that if they're able to shut down the Jays, Jalen and Jason, can he get his own shot? Mm -hmm. That's really the issue. Can you get your own shot? And I think that. Um, oh my God, the guy that they traded for with the long hair and the bandana, Derek White. Derek White. 
I mean, he was great when he was open from three. You know, and he had some nice drives. But you know, under the playoff kind of defense, he seemed like he had trouble getting off his shot. And if Marcus wasn't on, then you know, you're all totally relying on Jason and Jalen. You know, you're right. He struggled actually in the last three finals games. Obviously, Grant Williams struggled and Payne yeah. Pritchett struggled. We didn't really have much off the bench. So obviously, getting Brogdon, having a guy off the bench like him, maybe could help this Celtics team. He did average around twenty points per game last season. So big addition yeah, for I them. Mean, they gave up first-round picks plus to get him. I think Daniel Tice is still in the back on the Celtics, actually. He always does, right? There's always a way. You know when there's a will, there's a way. Daniel Tice is always on the Celtics. Every year he finds his way. Rebounds his way back. Uh, Senator just scored a goal, 3-0. 3-0. That's tough. I mean, they don't look like they're soft goals. I mean, the Bruins are sort of getting skated around. They, you know, a lot of tough chances. I yeah. Mean, I stop on a breakaway. It would be for nothing. I mean, <laughs> there's people standing around in the corner while the guy's in the slot. Nobody bothered. And You're right. Well, they're in Ottawa. They're playing a back-to-back. I think they probably thought this was going to be a, a tough game, although I, I I don't think it's lack of effort. But, I mean, when you have Marchand and McAvoy, and they're two of your top players and probably two of the top, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 players. Oh, Marchand's up there, absolutely. And McAvoy's one of the best defensemen, yeah. And you're losing two of your top, you know, three players, five players, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're just holding on until they come back and hope they can be healthy. I mean, you know, I think if they if, – it all depends. The new head coach seems to me – Montgomery. Not so um, rigid about, you know, you got to go into the corner and check. I mean, that's not DeBrus' game. His game is speed. He had a nice goal yesterday breaking away from uh, the defenseman at the blue line mm-hmm. set, and set up, you know, the goal for uh, – Bergeron. Yeah. Now anyway, he played well but, yesterday, Debrusque. Played well. It was his birthday, too. You got to use the speed. It's like, you know, we didn't want Tyler Sagan because he didn't check. No, he only scores 40 goals. That's what he does. He doesn't check. <laughs> he doesn't fight. He scores 40 goals. Well, he we does. Don't want to I mean, they, you know, they almost ran past and knocked out of town because, but, you know, they didn't want him going in the corners. But he goes in the corners. He gives, he, he, he's been a great back check because he's so fast. And his slap shot's good enough. You want him on the ice at all times because of that. Kick it two from anywhere. <laughs> Of course, exactly. he can get from anywhere. I mean, the Bruins—they've been scoring goals with random with random guys, but they have twelve goal scorers and sixteen goals this year. Three and zero, obviously. Obviously, heading into now Ottawa being zero and oh, Ottawa's zero and two. So maybe they took them lightly, being three and zero, and Ottawa being zero and two. Now you find yourself down three nothing. But that game. I mean, they're done last night at ten thirty. I don't know what time they're on a plane. I don't know what time they get into Ottawa, and I don't know how much sleep they got. I mean, I you know I think it's it's a tough recover. Last night's game wasn't a, wasn't a gentle game. It was a really slow physical, game. physical game. Five to three win. Obviously, went down to the wire at the end. Obviously, you know, it wasn't like the Bruins were up five nothing could take it easy the whole game. I mean, you're right. It was a physical game, hitting into the boards and all that, and you get right in a plane and then probably end up in Ottawa at I don't know what time you go to bed two three a.m. Whatever it is, and who knows if you're lucky. Just you know, even if you're taking you know the monster drinks or whatever else they they give them, still not still not on your normal. Resting, you still can't be. You're not in your normal, you know, sleep Element. schedule. Yeah, you're not. You're not getting your sleep. You're not getting your rest, obviously, and you're getting right in a plane too. So you're really just showering, getting right in the plane, and maybe they took them lightly, being zero too. That just happens sometimes, uh, especially in sports. I mean, sometimes you just take the opponent lightly. Uh, yeah, I but, think it's not good to have your best effort every game. I mean, especially when you have these back to backs. I mean, so anyway, so First part of the show. Did you talk about Daniel Jones? That's I did not. So I saved that for you. I saved the Patriots, Zappy versus Mac Jones, and Daniel Jones talk all for you. So I talked about a lot about the NBA um, Celtics and Sixers. Okay. I talked about the uh, Warriors-Lakers game tonight. 
And then I also talked about uh, the ALCS, the NLCS, previewed those things, talked about the Yankees, guys. <laughs> at the end of that, yeah. Um, talked about all that, talked about Northeastern uh, versus BC Hockey Night. I did not mention Bailey Zappi. I mentioned very briefly, but it wasn't really a talk. I was just mentioning at the beginning of the episode. So we'll start with Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones, and we'll get into Daniel Jones. Okay. Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones, who do you favor? Because it's a legit controversy now, I guess. I, I don't understand why there's a controversy. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not about where they were drafted, and it's not really about – you know, what they did in college. Because, you know, Zabby scored six, uh, through 62 touchdown passes and 6,000 yards. Yeah, Western Kentucky. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, and that's no disrespect, but, I mean, the teams that he's beaten, it's like I said to you, who besides uh, Grady Jarrett could make BC High's football varsity roster? Um, <laughs> I mean, Cleveland just looks terrible to me. I didn't, I'll tell you, if you look at what happened to the Packers in London, you know, I, I think that they're they're vastly overrated. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe Rodgers is a great quarterback when he has some line protection and when he has some offensive weapons, but he doesn't seem to have much of either. Doesn't. So, uh, so I don't know. You know, he seems just disgruntled on top of it. None of those things seem good. Yeah. For that. And then, you know, they shut out the Lions. Well, I mean, I know the Lions were a high-scoring team, and I give the defense a lot of credit, but, I mean, they're the Lions, you know, in the power rankings. I think they're 30 and the Cleveland's 29. I mean, yeah, they're both bad teams. But, hey, winning games, you want to win the games, I know what you mean. You want to win the games you're supposed to win. That's 100% true. And I, 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 I also think what they asked of Bailey was much less than what they asked of Mac Jones. They wanted Mac Jones to do a lot of deep balls when he didn't have protection. Mm-hmm. part of the reason he's hurt and I think he didn't have Kendrick Bourne playing you know Absolutely. what I mean I think that's a big difference it is. I think Reminder Stevenson is a whole lot of difference in you know in the backfield because he, he can he, he can break loose I mean Damon Harris is a great pack I like Damon Harris but he's not as good at catching the ball out of the backfield he's not as much of a threat definitely know? No, I'm with you there. I think Ramondre Stevenson's won himself some touches even when Harris gets back. I know they were splitting a little bit, but he's going to get the bell cow maybe now. 100%. I, I think, you know, they don't have a third down back, but I think he can be in every down back. And if you need to split time to keep him fresh, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you know, the best teams rotate in, like, you know, defensive players and their backs and whatever. But, yeah. So, so, you know, Bailey, I, I admire the fact that uh, he, he got a great arm, makes the good throws. Um, he got a little rattled when he got sacked on the, the game, the, uh, the, the first game on Sunday. Yeah. He got, he got rattled. He threw like three balls airborne. He did. Uh, he did. They, were, they started blitzing a little bit though and trying to mix up the looks, try to get his yeah. head a little bit, you know, and that works. I mean, especially a rookie quarterback. Well, especially, what, you know, Mac Jones has won a national championship at Alabama. He plays Georgia. He plays LSU. He plays teams that have serious, you know, offenses and serious defenses. So he's seen a lot more than, than Bailey has. I don't know that is he, ultimately is he going to be better than Mac Jones? I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody knows. He clearly looks smaller to he me. He does. He does. I think one thing you look at as the opponents he's playing against, like you said, you just mentioned that great. The Detroit Lions have a horrible defense. The Browns have a good defense, even when they're all healthy. And if you look at it, Zappi's been able to play very comfortable. The Pages have never trailed in either start, so he's not like he has to play from behind. You've seen him always up 14-0. The running game gets things going. Then obviously, I mean, last week he threw more. 309 passing yards with two touchdowns against the Browns. 118.4 passer rating, 70% completion percentage. But in those first two games, the Lions and the Packers, he didn't have to throw the ball as much. Threw 100 yards in both games. Uh, now in this game, obviously through. I mean, throws to Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry could have taken a shower and then gone into the end zone. <laughs> you 
I mean, how much time did he have? Right? Same thing. It's great. You know, I mean, that's because, the you know, the breakdown is so bad. You know what You're I mean? Right. The defense was so bad. But You're right. You know, the sports comedian. Got, come you up know, with jokes. You only play the teams you're playing. I mean, and this is the thing about back to Daniel Jones and Ryan Dayball. I mean, they play, they get better as the, as the game goes on. I mean, you know, they're a little loose and, you know, a little trying to figure things out. But they really are. They really compete. I give them a lot of credit for their compete. I really Definitely. Do. I just saw a stat today. The Giants outscored Mike Vrabel, so they outscored the Titans, Matt LaFleur of the Packers, and John Harbaugh of the Ravens by a score of 55-19 after halftime. Ah, just made my point. I didn't even know that stat, and I still think 55 go. to 19. They trailed in all of those games in the second half. So you look at what Daniel Jones did, had four comeback wins now. He leads the ML, uh, NFL now in uh, game winning drives, four of them now in six wins, or five wins. It is five and one the Giants are. Maybe we'll win this week. Who knows? Against your boy Trevor Lawrence. They're going against Jacksonville this week. It's my boy. <laughs> we liked him, though. We liked him in college. Oh, I, I, yeah, I'm just throwing to the great receivers with the great offensive line. I mean, half that team ended up being drafted in the first three rounds. They did. You're not wrong about that. We didn't like him. He has a hose of an arm. Uh, you know, he, he, and he, the kid's very athletic. He can run. I mean, if he bulked up a little bit, we, Josh Allen is just fearless, which I, I hope doesn't come back to bite him because he doesn't take a knee. He doesn't go out of bounds. He goes headlong into these guys. Look, I know you're bigger and stronger than most of the – you know, little DBs, but you're going to hit a safety like Minka Fitzpatrick or somebody yeah. who's just exception to that and try to hurt you. You know, there's there's a time to, to fight and there's a time to, you know, go back. And, Definitely. Uh, That's the problem, though. In today's day, quarterbacks love to run. Daniel Jones loves to run. It can get you hurt, obviously, too. But Jones looked great, though, with his legs. He's been running a ton, Daniel Jones, that is. And I think the Giants are starting to hit their stride. Five and one. Uh, they do have the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend. Jacksonville's favored. Jacksonville's favorite. Over the three, Jack- and, three and a half, I think it is. A three points, yeah. Pick up the truck on that one, Joe. I know, I know. Their favorite in Jacksonville. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, the Giants, though, which... The Giants are going to bury them in Jacksonville, I think. Because they got I a hope. much better defense. They have a much better defense, for God's sake. I mean, I, and it's not like they're playing. Jacksonville's not an offensive juggernaut anyway. If you, can, you know, if you can't score, the worst you can do is tie. And I think the, the Giants are going to do better than zero points. So. You're right. And I saw one stat today. Let me see if I can find it really quick because it relates to what we were talking about last year. J.C. Jackson, the offseason, the big question mark was whether the page is going to bring him back or not. I know we were talking about how much money he got. We both thought he got overpaid. And I saw a stat today. J.C. Jackson has a, pa- has a passer rating allowed of 110.8 on the season as a primary defender. When you look at he did in New England, though, in 2018, 27.3. 2019, 26.7. 2020, wow. 41.9. 2021, 32.6. And 2022, 110.8. We talked about him being overpaid in the offseason. Look at it. Oh, my gosh. That's the kind of thing that gets you fired as a GM. Although the salary cap is not really that much of an issue. This It expands every year. So every they have year. More much, so. Every year. Go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, making forty-five million, right? Um, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's making that. Yeah, they gave him a huge deal. Look at how, look what he's doing. Oh, they get three first-round picks. Well, this is the thing. I think you can bet Seattle to win the Super Bowl in twenty twenty-six when they get all those picks come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> or Detroit's got like eight first-round picks in the next. They three do. Years. The like pack. That. I mean the. Uh, the Broncos gave up three first-rounders, two second-rounders, like a, a couple starters. I mean, that was a great trade for that Seattle team. And your boy Gino, Gino I, Smith, I, our boy Gino. You know, Gino's fine, 
But I mean, I don't think Russell Wilson at thirty-three was worth anything. Like, I don't know what I don't know what made them think that they were that close. That they were a quarterback away. Even if you got, I don't think if you got Rodgers or Brady that you were that close. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand the thought process. Yeah, you it's odd. Love, fall in love with you know the idea of Russell Wilson's going to be the guy or whatever, and now he's got a torn lat, which which is going to take you know months to heal. Probably mm-hmm. won't. Season getting hit, so I don't. Know. Are you going to miss your other call, the Joe? I feel bad about that. No, no, no. You're good. I can stay on. There's no one coming in, so I can stay on actually until like eight fifteen if I want. There's no worries. There's no one coming. Right. I, I last week I was here one day just recording something, and I waited to see if anyone would come in, and no one did. So I think I could stay on. You know, probably for another fifteen minutes. Probably. We'll see. You know, I keep going. But one last thing I want to mention, though, we used to talk about this a lot. Obviously, um, the Red Sox playing well last year. You called in during the ALCS. Whether or not the Red Sox can bring back Xander Bogats and Rafael Devers, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, Devin's coming back one more year. Bogart's going to opt out in the next I, week or two I, weeks. I honestly think that they're going to let Bogart's walk, and I think they're going to they're going to try to convince you that they can go with a bridge year, and they're going to have all these young kids. And uh, it's not just uh, Bogart's that's going to walk. You're going to lose Evaldi. You're going to lose there are a couple of stuff. Walker, like your best starter, is is walking. Walker's walking. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> Someone's going to pay him. You know, and someone's going to pay Valdi more than you're going to pay him. You know, and, and so then what are you going to do? Look, I I admire Bayo. The kid showed me a lot. He improved, you know, over the last half of the season. Last five starts, he was very good. And I think if that was the case, when you finished last, I think you probably should have found out more of what you had. I mean, Tristan Cassis came up the last month. If he was your first baseman of the future, why was Bobby Dahl back there? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Missing balls, couldn't field or hit. I mean, I feel bad for the kid. I mean, I think he'd be a great park league player, but I'm... <laughs> he did struggle. Dahlbeck did struggle, uh, especially at the plate, and obviously fielding uh, was struggling both ways. I think the Red Sox obviously didn't do him any justice making him a first baseman. He's really a third baseman uh, in the minor leagues and obviously ends up becoming a first baseman for the Red Sox since they really didn't have really many, many options. And third base, first base, very similar positions. Uh, so it wasn't like they were making him learn how to play center field, but... At the end of the day, that Red Sox team did him no justice uh, by trying to figure out a way uh, to get him to be a first baseman, uh, which I might have lost connection with him here. Let's see if we can call him back here. Just to get him off, uh, we have one minute, so just, just to let him uh, you know, sign off and give one more take maybe. Uh, hopefully we can try to get him on uh, for one more minute here. Let me see if I can get him. Call him right now to see. Did have some technical difficulties there, though, obviously, which we've had a, a lot tonight. Hopefully I can figure that out for next week. I do apologize to you guys for that. I know you guys are coming on to listen and hear me talk sports, and five minutes of it was uh, you know, me trying to figure out a way to get uh, all this to work. So uh, no, no big deal, though, at the end of the day. Um, hopefully next week I do have things repaired uh, for you guys so it's a little bit easier. Let's see what we got here. I'm going to call him back right now. There he is. Locked and loaded. There he is. My, my phone deck. I really want to talk about this. I want to know what you think about both. No, no worries. No worries at all. I know your phone died. I was just saying, right as your phone died, I was saying Bobby Dahlbeck was put in a bad position by the Red Sox. Making him play first base every day when he's hit 200, couldn't field. And he's a third baseman. Okay, well, your third baseman is set. Okay? And, you, and you know, they talk about, well, you're going to move Devis to first. Devis isn't really a first baseman. I don't think he's going to be a great scooper. Or no. Fog. I think he's a better third. If he's going to put him in, he'll put him at third at DH. That's your only options. You know, and I, you know, I, you're losing JD. I mean, you're losing your right-handed power. I mean, JD had a great season. So, do you bring him back at short money? I, you know, 
I think it's really hard to find people who love to play in Boston and succeed. Bruins scored three to one. Three to one first round, right, baby? There we go. Live update. There we go. We love it. <laughs> anyway, um, but I think if you let Bogus walk, I don't know how you justify selling tickets or hot dogs or beers. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I just don't understand it. The face of the franchise, two World Series, you know, came up as a double A kid and was a star in the World Series. And then right. he's been the face of the franchise. A model citizen, you know, mm-hmm. and you're going to let him walk. And you can't tell me you don't have enough money when you fill up the old ball yard every year. Even we were the lousy team, last place team. They still had, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many did they get to two million. I don't know if they did. They, but, I'm not sure, but I did see, I, I did see one stat that you're going to be a fan of, maybe not a fan of. The Red Sox had the most expensive uh, game experience for an individual fan to go with the family. They're the most expensive ballpark in the major <laughs> leagues for food, tickets. <laughs> They're the most expensive. Yes. Right. So, and I think that, you know, the interest in baseball is they need really to do everything they can to keep baseball alive. You know, if you want to go to an event, you know, you can go to a NASCAR, you can go to soccer, a lot of things you can go to. But if you really want to love the game, you have to understand the game and, you know, maybe <laughs> have played it or watch somebody play it at some point in your You're life. Right. That's getting lost, you know, in this generation. The generation that, you know, is watching eight different fantasy teams at one time. You know, you root while you're rooting against another. I mean, you're, rooting for, you're rooting for <laughs> Stephon Diggs to go for 30 points in one, but then you're rooting against him in the other right? to have less than right? 20. Right. And you want, you want your quarterback to throw for 300 yards, but you don't see the receiver that's against you. So it's like, what are you going to do? And you have the other team's defense or whatever. So you got to make sure, you know, he doesn't give up as many. You need to throw a pick, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's very confusing, obviously, with all that in fantasy. But you made a good point, though. The Red Sox are the most expensive ballpark for a family of four. Obviously, they don't care about, you know, the ticket sales. I, I saw they were talking uh, last week. Sam Kennedy said that they expect ticket prices to go up by 1% to 2%. <laughs> And we, we, we were the last place finish in the ALEs for the fifth time in the last 11 years. We're number one in the ALEs in the last place finishes in the last 11 years. Number it's, one. It's hard to justify. I mean, Sam Kennedy does a great job of getting on TV and smiling. I don't know what exactly else he does. <laughs> God bless him. He does a great job getting on TV and smiling. Tries to get everyone fired up. You come on, you bring some jokes, a sports comedian. I love it. Well, he has to, t- he has to take the bullet. You know, because you don't see John Henry's not going to step out there and say, yeah, we're going to raise ticket prices. No, he's not going to no, do that. He wasn't there. Three years now, he hasn't been live in front of the media. Him and uh, Werner, uh, Tom Werner, have not been in front of the media in three well, years. I mean, well, I, you know, after after Ortiz leaves and you go through COVID, I mean, you don't have much to Trade show. Trade Mookie Betts, they never show their face after that. You know, I liken it to when the Red Sox traded Nomar and uh, John Henry said that, Theo Epstein must be the loneliest man in New England, you know, to trade such an icon, you know. And and the idea is that he got back gold glove first base and gold glove shortstop that made the difference, won a World Series. You're right. Now, it's, you know, did Noma go on and have a great rest of the career? I don't even know. I didn't know. wasn't able to follow. We won the World Series, though, yeah. Right. And that was, I mean, I feel bad that Noma wasn't part of that, but, I mean, where they were going wasn't going to get them there. They needed steadier defense at shortstop and definitely better defense at first. And this is the thing that boggles my mind. You know, Kaz is a, is a great defender, supposedly. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'll give you that. Let's say he is. But he batted a buck 91. He did. I mean, five home runs, you know, what is his batting average when there are RBIs to be had? I mean, I don't know the stats, but that's what I look at. How do you how do you do when there, there are runners on base? If you strike out, you know, in a lead-off situation, that's, eh, you know, what it is. But if you strike out with the bases loaded, 
you know, one out, you got to get a ball in the air. And that's a big difference. Those are runs that count. Everyone counts. That's important. You need to be a clutch hitter. I think that's a big part of the game of baseball. I know when I would always be up at the plate with runners on base, my dad always said you want a productive out. you got to make an out productive out. Sacrifice fly, move the runners up, whatever you got to do. I know Cub, the same thing, uh, obviously, as well. You always, you always want a productive out. Dead out, striking out doesn't help. Hitting 191 doesn't help either, obviously. But uh, we'll see what happens there. As for Bogats and Devas, though, it's tough. I think... I think Devis, you have to re-sign. I think Bogots, you, re- you should re-sign too. I think Bogots walks though, and I think Devis comes back. And the two of them. Say, say you get him. Like, what did um, the shortstop in in Minnesota sign for? Three years, one hundred five. Three hundred five, Correa, and that was going to opt out. Right, so say you could get him three years at one twenty. All right, and say you get Bogots. I um, mean, get uh, Devis. He's probably. I heard he already turned down uh, twenty for uh, ten for twenty. He did. 10 for 200 million, something we, like that. We, we lowballed him and Devis. 10 for 200, 10 for 250 we, or something. You know, if you're the, the Oakland A's and you want to sell Moneyball books, that's fine. But if you're not, you really can't lowball people and think that it's going to work. I mean, we <laughs> lowballed Lester. Lester was the Red Sox for life, and you lowballed him, and he won a World Series with the Cubs. That you're tells right. you what a valuable piece he was. And even the, even after he won the World Series, they let him walk. We got, you want to Cespedes back in return, though. Hey, we got Cespedes. <laughs> yeah, he got traded. Who did we trade him for? He was lousy for us. Cause One he year, was it. But he wasn't good. He wasn't no. good. He, he didn't even hit 20 home runs, I don't No, know. he didn't. No, he, we but, got rid of him. He hit 40 for somebody else. Who did we trade him for? We traded him somewhere else. We didn't want him, though. We wanted him out. Yeah, but we traded him for somebody. I can't remember. We wanted right. him out, though, after, you know, just that one season. I mean, we thought he was going to come in and hit 35 home runs in that, you know, half season. Well, I think there. a lot of guys can't play in Boston. There's always a media guy, you know, buddying up to you. And then, you know, you make a casual comment and it ends up in the paper the next day. Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, yeah, exactly. He he was like a clubhouse lawyer. He wanted everybody on his side. Turns out that he was the biggest base clogger ever in history. He ran about a 6-4 to first base. <laughs> Great hitter. Poor Great guy. Too, but he could, you know, he just couldn't run. So I mean, he would have led the world in doubles for God's sake. The way he hit the ball off but the green he, monster, go oppo. Oh, it was he was he was fun to watch for a year. But I mean, you know, they got infatuated and they go on St. Crawford. Well, I mean, throwing money, you know, good money after bad isn't the way to go. The right answer is, you know, building a team, you know, drafting them and developing them. I, you know, I haven't seen much coming up from Musta. You're you right. Know. We don't have much talent. I mean, we traded away. Some pieces, obviously, we got some pieces back in the past. Um, but yeah, we don't really have much of a farm system right now in AAA. Maybe single A, double A, because that's what a lot of the guys we've traded. Well, that's, for. What, that's what they say. The double A guys are where the, the talent is. Well, I mean, you know, that's swell, but they're, you know, a year, two years away. For, you know, we had a bunch jump from double A. Like Bogarts was one, Benintendi jumped from double A. You're right. Um, Mookie played a week in triple A. We saw him at we second. Saw him. Ba- I saw him in Pawtucket. That's right. He's season ticket holder for the Paw Sox, 20 years, and then they moved. I know. I remember that. You saw him. You saw all of them. My kids played catch with Pedroia and Ellsbury at the kids' clinic. I mean, how great was that? I know. Hey, that's all legends on the field right there. And they'd be better than Ellsbury out there right now. I'm telling you. It's a, well, that's the other thing. I mean, we saw, I saw the kid from Pawtucket in Santa Field. It's like, give me a glove. I mean, I, I, I called Christopher. I said, do you believe this? He said, we, we were all laughing watching. Jared Duran. It's so sad. And the other Jared. kid, it was so sad. Well, I mean, they put him in a loser situation. They do. They do. Jared Duran's not a center fielder. He should be a right fielder at best, maybe left. Putting him out at center. But they have it, a lot of 
you know, left field is in Fenway Park and left field is everywhere. No, right, they your center field with that triangle. He should be in right field, Jaron Duran. If you're going to put him in the field, put him in right field. But you but know what I mean, they said? Corin Bloom both said, we're trying to let him learn the position, learn the surroundings in the outfield the whole season. We're just letting him uh, learn center field. Well, let him learn center fields. They're in batting practice. On the job training. Yeah, Jack, why isn't in center field the BP and Shag and everything? I mean, that's the way you I can remember um, when, uh, which left field? It was, I think it was uh, Tony Armas or Mike Green, any of the left fielders that followed after Yastrzemski. You heard about them hitting balls, fielding balls off the wall day after day after day. Because it's very hard. I mean, I've stood there, you know, on the on the field. The wall behind you is so intimidating. You're right. You're right. Hey, we got Haley Ramirez in left field after that, too. Yeah, oh, that, that just goes to show you, it doesn't matter, you can put anybody out there. And that's, you know, that's, the, I don't understand the mentality, because when it comes to big games against good teams, the ball always finds the weakest link. That's just the way it is. That's the way, that's the way sports goes, right? That's the way, you, you go against the weakest cornerback, you throw against him always. Right. Weakest cornerback, weakest defenseman on the hockey team, you know, you got to isolate the guy that can't defend. I mean, look at Grant Williams. He had a phenomenal series against Giannis. And, you know, then he didn't play as well against Golden State. He didn't have the same kind of guy to guard. You know what I mean? You're right. I was, I'm looking forward to see. Oh, they're on, actually. They're on right now. They actually have a 23-8 to run against that Sixers team. Uh, the score is 29-23, though, so not too far behind. Did give a 23-8 run at one point, though, unfortunately. Well, what's happened? That's sports. I, it's just not going to be – it's opening night and whatever. I mean, you know, plus they're going to figure out – they knew who they were under E-Man. I don't know if they know who they're going to be under the, the new coach. I, don't, I wouldn't know if I ran him over. I don't know what he even looks like. <laughs> He's an assistant coach. He never really got any airtime until a week or two ago now. Well, I mean, I, I wish him the best. He's got a lot of talent. I mean, I, I give the Bruins coach a lot of credit because he's sort of letting them be who they are, and I think that that's important. Definitely. You know? If you know, if you're not a marker in the corner, then we shouldn't have you doing that. You know, we better off having you, you know, skate your your wing, whatever you need to do. Definitely. So, anyway, we'll see how that goes. Hey, I love you coming on, talking some Red Sox, talking some Bruins, Celtics, Patriots. You touched them all, all four. <laughs> and we got Daniel Jones. And we got Daniel Jones in there. He's been playing great. Which I'll obviously have you on board to talk about him another time. Uh, too, but Daniel Jones has been playing great this year. He's been poised in the pocket, flushing out of the pocket at the right time, getting at the right time. Better win by at least ten. I'll be shocked. I know. I think we should win. I think probably 31 21 if we had to provide a predict now. 10 points. I think probably like that. I don't think Jackson is going to put out 21 points against the defense. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, though. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Nice to see you. Have a good night. Take it easy. Bye bye. A pleasure having him come on. Thank you so much, Uncle Frankie, for coming on and talking some sports. I said he can talk everything sports, just like the sports guru, Mike Hurley, the sports legend, Mark Walsh. Now we got the sports comedian, my Uncle Frankie, coming on, talking everything sports. And as always, a pleasure talking to him. He knows everything sports. As I said, he just broke down every single thing he had to, one thing to the next. Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox. One thing to update you guys on right now, AIC is down 4 to nothing against Holy Cross right now. So tough start to the game for AIC being down 4 nothing in the second period. Northeastern obviously got that Aiden McDonough goal power play. Then gave up a Trevor Kunta power play goal. And then gave up a goal to Kobe Ambrosio in the second period. So right now it is 2-1 BC with 9 minutes to go. In the second period. So, good to have Mark Walsh come on right now. Talk some sports really quick. Uh, and then, obviously, that'll probably be the closing uh, to the show. Thank you guys so much. As always, for listening. Going to get Mark Walsh on now. Thank you, guys. There he is, my boy. The sports legend, doing? Mark Walsh. How are you doing, bro? Good seeing you. 
I'm doing great. It's great to see you too. I'm happy you have me back on. Back on another week, two weeks in a row now. Talking everything, which I, I talked everything tonight. Whatever you want to start with. Bailey Zabiris, Mac Jones. The Northeastern team is <laughs> down 2-1 to one right now, unfortunately. Celtics down in the first quarter. Bruins are down 3-1. to one. But hey, look at the Patriots winning two straight games. We can talk anything you want. It's up to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'll get started with the Patriots because you mentioned Zappy and Mac Jones. And I heard, I heard something. There was a clip on the radio, I think, today. And they asked... Is Zappy versus Mac Jones a quarterback debate? And I think the right answer is almost. I it mean, is. I think it's almost there, but there's nothing yet where you can definitively say, okay, this is why you should take one over the other. Mm-hmm. I think Mac had a harder schedule at the beginning of the year, struggle with turnovers, all those things. Um, and then Zappy came in, and like I mentioned a few weeks earlier, I feel like it's that part of the year where the Patriots have weaker opponents. They win some games, and people start to overreact and say they're great. I think that's where we are right now, and I don't know if that overreaction applies to Zappi or if he is genuinely a good quarterback and he should at the starter. So I think we still have to see it play out, but I think it's almost almost a legitimate debate. Hey, I take your word for it because I know you watch every Patriots game. You're very locked in. But one thing I think you got to look at with it is that Mac Jones, obviously <laughs> this new offensive system, they might have been asking him to do too much. That's what my uncle just said before this. I think I agree with him there. Bailey Zappi, they know he's a third string. Might have made it a little bit easier on him. Obviously, expectations-wise, he's looked very comfortable. I mean, a lot of the play calls have been a lot of shorter routes. He does have a good arm, but I saw today on 98.5, uh, the sports hub Greg Bedard was on with uh, Felgren Maz. He was saying mm-hmm. that using the two tight ends a little more now, too. Blocking-wise, and also going for passes, too. Maybe making it a little bit shorter, shorter for him on throws, giving him a little bit more options to throw to. And he's looked comfortable. I mean, Durant and I passing out two touchdowns against the Browns. Hasn't trailed in either game. I think that's one thing you got to factor in, too, is that mm-hmm. Matt Jones, for the most part, they're trailing in a lot of those games. They're one and two with Mac Jones at the helm. Now two and zero oh with uh, Bailey Zappi starting. But one thing I think you got to look at really is pressure on Mac Jones. There's a lot going into this year with a new offensive system. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling plays. That's tough. Obviously losing some pieces in the offseason too. Not the easiest thing to go into. Uh, losing Josh McDaniel is a big loss. I think he's a great uh, quarterbacks coach and offensive I coordinator. Absolutely. He does great at what he does. Uh, and obviously now, hopefully the Raiders find their stride. I had them being a lot better this season. But I think it is a controversy. I do. I, I know you're saying it's almost. I would agree that. I see either way. Because Felgrim has to say, obviously both of them are one way or the other. other. Uh, Greg Bedard is saying he's still all in on Mac Jones. Thinks that Bailey Zappi is still really a backup. I would agree, though, either way. I think you could see it either way, and I don't think you could disregard someone for saying one or the other. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think too, you know, obviously there's the debate. Mac Jones is the, the first-round pick, the, you know, the starting quarterback, the guy that they obviously invested in. But I think, and then obviously you look, you say Bailey's happy, he's inexperienced, this and that. But I think that debate goes out the window when you look at who our head coaches. I mean, look how Brady got the starting job over 20 years ago now, right. you know? You're right. And that, hey, that started a legacy. I mean, who knows? You never know. I and think I'm, one thing, by no means am I saying Bailey Zappi is Tom Brady. I'm just saying the way Bill Belichick head coaches his football team, I mean, he will make the decisions where he thinks it's best for the team, and he doesn't care what anyone else has to say about this. I mean, he's oh. a great coach. you got seven wins out of Cam Newton at quarterback. I mean, that's, a, that's impressive <laughs> on its own. You're seven nine with Cam Newton as your starter. That's impressive. Yeah, you I know, agree. With Bailey Zappi, now you're 2-0. And, oh. and one thing with Zappi, four touchdowns and one pick, <laughs> 73% completion percentage, completing a lot of passes, 111 passer rating, 596 passing yards. So in those first two games, didn't really have to throw too much. Obviously, this last game. I agree, yep. 309 yards. But Mac Jones, 
Two touchdowns of five picks, 786 passing yards and three starts, 76.2 passer rating and one and two record. I'm not all into stats saying everything. I think Daniel Jones is a lot better than the stats show. But, I mean, if you look at it from a stats perspective, then you're looking at it the way they look on the field. I think, honestly, Zappi, as of now, has the edge in both of those. I think he looks a little bit yeah. better, a little bit more comfortable. But, as I said, I think that is an indictment on the Patriots and what they expected out of Mac Jones this year. I think they expected too much out of him in this new system. I think at the end of the day, I don't think it's an indictment against Mac having met Patricia and Joe Judge's play callways. I think Bailey Zappi's going into a system where he can be comfortable since he didn't expect to even play this season. Now he's playing and the Patriots' expectations were very low with a third-string guy, you know? So, I mean, it's, I, it's, I a, it's a legit controversy, obviously. Uh, but how do you feel, though, going into this now matchup Monday Night Football? Do you think Mac gets a start or do you think Zappi gets a start? If Mac's healthy... I think he gets to start if he's almost healthy, but he's not 100% there yet. Then I think you defer to Zappi, and I, I don't think you put Mac out there if he's not 100% ready. What I will say is I agree with your analysis as well. I think the first two games that Zappi was in, you know, obviously he came in beginning of the game in Green Bay and then against Detroit. I think they didn't put as much pressure on him. I think the game was managed very well. Um, and the run game was working. I don't know what exactly Belichick saw with Cleveland, but he said, we're going to let this kid off the leash a little bit. And I just remember watching and saying, wow, he, he looks decisive. He looks like he's doing the right thing with the ball, mm -hmm. uh, making speed, stepping up in the pocket. And I think those are all reasons why you can make a valid case that you, there's almost a quarterback controversy in New England. Definitely. I think they were missing Denzel Ward, so their CB1 missing him obviously opens up the uh, defense a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. gives a little bit of a you know, few holes. And I think at the end of the day, one thing about Zappi looks comfortable. I think Mac Jones did not look comfortable in any of the three games he played. And as I said, I felt bad for Mac. He didn't really have much help in those first three games. Offensive mm -hmm. line was brutal in a few of those games. He getting killed. Mac was getting crushed in a couple of those games. Yep. He was getting crushed. So I think at the end of the day, I think expectations were lower for Zappi. So I think that's why right now people are doing that maybe Zappi's a starter. I think as of now, if I'm still picking, I think it's a controversy. I think it's a legit thing. But if both guys are 100% healthy, I'm going with Mac, you know, Mac Jones. He led you to the playoffs last year. I think you got to stay with him. But I don't I see – I'm don't. i not going to tell anyone they're wrong if they want to stay with Zappi. I think they, they, Zappi's won you two games. He wins on Monday football. He's going to win you three straight games. You might not be able to switch at that point. I mean, it's just – it's really hard. But it's never a bad thing. I know me and you have talked about this about Northeastern hockey. It is never a bad thing to have depth and backups that you have confidence in. And knowing Zappi is a guy that you could start, just like you could start with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett when Brady was out in Northeastern hockey, you have – Riley Hughes in the third line that would be in second lines on most college hockey teams. It's a good thing to have depth. And yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Northeast hockey, really quick, tied it up 2-2, go from Matt Demelis, Michael Outson, and Matthew Pane tied it up in the second period with about 10 minutes to go. So, huge for Northeastern. Obviously tonight, not being the best start for them, being down 2-1, to one, now tying it up 2-2. Two -two. But uh, I know me and you have liked what we've seen out of them in the first few games very early in the season. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. want to jump ship now from the Patriots to Northeast Hockey. I just wanted to mention that really quick, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think Zappi, though, which Mike Hurley, sports guru Mike Hurley, I'll give his opinion here. He said Zappi has better pocket awareness and better vision, which I would agree with. I think he looks more comfortable out there. I would agree with yeah. that right now. Mm -hmm. And he leaped, he leaped from struggling in the preseason to a dog by week six. I think, honestly, as I said, that could play a role with expectations being low. And then also, which my uncle made a very good point, he didn't go up against great defenses in the Browns or the Lions. Neither one. Yep, 100%. Neither and I think one Mac, of them Jones, Mac Jones is getting crushed. I mean, the Dolphins have a pretty good defense. I felt bad for Mac after a couple of those plays, which – I didn't have the highest expectations for Mac coming into the season because I thought new system, Mac, uh, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, obviously the receivers, they don't really have a wide receiver one. And I told you this last week, and I, we both agreed. 
a wide receiver one makes a huge difference for a quarterback. Look yeah, at Joe Burrow. First year, no Jamal Chase. Was not putting up the crazy numbers. Obviously, towards ACL too. But gets Jamal Chase, goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron yep. Rodgers with Devontae Adams, different quarterback. Kyler Murray with Marquise Brown. Looks a lot better this year than he did at the end of last season without Marquise Brown. And De- DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, too, helped him. They traded for him. Uh, a few examples. Lamar Jackson, you give him a wide receiver one, Lamar Jackson will be putting up even better numbers. Wide I receiver agree. ones make a huge difference. Look at Tom Brady. His last season at, uh, in, at, at Gillette Stadium for the Patriots did not have a wide receiver one. You go to Tampa, Tampa Bay and you have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. That's a huge difference. Russell Wilson <laughs> throwing to DK Metcalf. Huge difference. And now you throw in a – I mean, their wide receiver one's Jerry Judy. He's not DK Metcalf in my eyes. Yep. It makes a huge difference having wide receiver one. I thought Mac Jones is not of that. He does not have Josh McDaniels there to help him. And I think if you look at it, it's just – it's tough to jump into the system Mac Jones did this year, especially not playing in the preseason. That It's brutal, except game three or whatever it was. That's another good factor. And Zappy played in all three preseason games. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's also true. I think – I think it's kind of like if we're going to look at it as, you know, it, is the backup going to take over for the starter? I think um, I almost want to look at, like, the Cooper Rush situation where everyone was saying he's undefeated as a starter. Is there a debate? And Jerry Jones was kind of flirting with the idea of I'd love to have, like, a controversy. And I think Cooper Rush was, you know, perfect undefeated as a starter. I mean, obviously not perfect as a quarterback, but he undefeated as a starter, you can't really ask for much more. And then, obviously taken down by philadelphia and now i don't think there's a debate whatsoever so i think you know all it really takes is kind of one bad game and i don't think belichick's gonna you know not ride uh you know not go back Definitely. to my job you know i think i think mike herbert another great point here which he's you know watching the bruins crazy did just score made a three to two game so great for the bruins there oh, love it, love um, it. he said zappy dealt with miles garrett turnstiling isaiah win all game which wasn't wrong uh, stepping true. up in the pocket and throwing 300, so 300 passing odds, that is. Best pass rush <laughs> in their face is Miles Garrett. That's true. But I think the system, the Dolphins were sending, you know, guys from the outside, so blitzing from the outside of Mac Jones. So that new system, obviously it's very different. It's the Shanahan system, which I don't really know if the Patriots really needed that. I thought they could have kept the McDaniel system. But obviously Mike did make a great point. They go against Miles Garrett. But that secondary is weaker than what Mac Jones was going against in that Dolphins system with Davian Howard in that secondary. So... A little mm-hmm. bit different. Um, and he said, if you're playing, if you're the starter, you should be playing at 80% health over any clear-cut backup. Which I would agree with if it wasn't an ankle injury, though, because you got to step and throw. That's one yep. thing. It's tough. No, that's true. I completely agree. Like, if you're looking at where you have a clear backup quarterback situation compared to the starter, uh, you know, if that guy's at 80% health, like, you're going to be starting, like, Lamar over, I don't know, Huntley. I mean, Huntley played well in the games that he came in last year. But another comparison, like, Mahomes, like, you're not going to be starting anybody at 100% over Mahomes at 80, you know? Yeah. But right now, I feel like Zappi's performed well enough that this kind of injury, like you said, if Mac Jones is at 80% and, you know, the, the trainers or whoever makes those calls, like Belichick trainers. said, yeah, those calls. trainers will probably make it say he's healthy enough. Today, you know, he's 80%, but we're not sure. I think you hand the ball to Zappi for one more game. See how he I does. I think it's the Bears, too. I mean, it's a primetime matchup, yeah. obviously, so the Monday Night Football lights could be tough for a rookie quarterback, but... Zappi looked very poised in the pocket, and Mike Curry made a good point. He had better pocket awareness. Um, and obviously, and one thing Mike Curry just said, Bruins just tied up A.J. Greer, third wow. goal in four games. Wow. That is unbelievable. That kid has been an absolute stud. 3-3. Three, 3-3. Three, three, three. I know you're a big Bruins uh, guy, too. I, oh, I was watching early, and I was, I was like, oh, man, is, is it going to be one of those games? You know, uh, Ottawa's on three days rest. Bruins played last night and flew to Ottawa today. 
but oh, they uh, did fly today. Me and my uncle were just talking about that. We said, do you think they fly last night or flew today? I thought they would have flown last night since that's what baseball teams typically do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of baseball teams do that when they leave the stadium. The baseball teams play, you know, seven o'clock the next night, just like the Bruins would. But the Bruins got out late last night too, so I don't know. I thought they'd be like the MLB where you just go straight from the stadium. But if they left. Uh, today, though, that actually helps the Bruins. Obviously, two goals in a minute, two seconds now. Tied it up three to three. Uh, wow. Obviously, the Bruins are looking better now. One thing I want to get your opinion on is the Celtics. They're up. It's tied 35-35 right now in the second quarter. What are your expectations for them this season? Obviously, new coach Missoula in as the interim head coach instead of uh, Emi Odoka. What do you got uh, for expectations of the Celtics this year? You, this year? So, they, they get back? I, I think... Which is a tough question. Think, if you want to just say you think they have a good year and be a four seed or three seed, that's fine too. You, gotta, you don't got to answer if they're going to make it back to the NBA Finals. I mean, I think they'll have a good regular season. I'm hoping that they'll at least have another Eastern Conference Finals berth. I can't guarantee. Um, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, they're going to the NBA Finals and, and call that shot now. I think they are one of the top teams, one of the top two in the East. Um, what I will say is I heard on I heard on SportsCenter today that Missoula, I didn't know too much about him as a head coach. I know he's kind of been, you know, an assistant in the NBA. Um, his only head coaching experience, if I'm not mistaken, was like Division Two basketball for two years. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not too encouraging, I will say. But, you know, obviously him being part of the Joker staff last year, uh, kind of immersed in that like NBA culture and the Celtics culture, which is more important because I think they need to carry that over. Um and hopefully can perform like they did last year, at least in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see ultimately how it shakes out. Um, I I don't want to have sky high expectations and get disappointed, uh, but I do have faith in this team. And I honestly think they, they might, they might get back to the finals. I mean, that Warriors team is no joke. We'll see what happens between the road from now to the NBA finals. But Mm -hmm. I like the Celtics this year. I think they are, a great defensive team, which is the most, you know, underappreciated part of the NBA, in my opinion. I mean, everyone wants to look at these, you know, prolific scorers like, um, you know, Giannis and... Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, yeah. When you can step up on both ends and do what Tatum did to KD last year in the playoffs, I mean, that that will take your team to the next level. And, and that's yeah. what the Celtics proved last year. Definitely. And you made a great point. You said you don't have crazy expectations for them. I think at the end of the day, when you have lower expectations... Or at least you're being underestimated, like the Giants have been. Now we're five and one. Uh, you look at what the Bruins are doing right now without McAvoy, Moshand, and uh, Grizzlick. They're three and zero. Oh, could be four and off. Oh they win tonight. When you have lower expectations, look at the Patriots. Zappy, lower expectations. You have that guy in, or you're being underestimated. All four of those situations, and you're winning games. I think it's better to be an underdog. Maybe this will help the Celtics. It could help the Celtics at the end of the day being an underdog and being underestimated now. Obviously, who knows? I mean, you got to play the season like you said. It's the road to the NBA Finals is a long season, 82 regular season games, and you got to win three series and then win four games in the NBA Finals, too. So you got to win four series, basically, to win the NBA Finals. It's a long road to go, 82 games. But if they were to win tonight, I mean, or mm-hmm. lose tonight, it's not the end of the world. I know tomorrow exactly. people will be on Boston Sports Radio saying the season's over if you're 0 1. Just like every single <laughs> year that happens when the Red Sox start out cold, which they yep. went wrong this year. The season was over, I guess. Uh, we struggled out of the gate. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, I think lower expectations for the Bruins have helped and being underestimated for the Bruins have helped just like it's helped the Giants, just like it's helped Ze- uh, Bailey Zappi, could help the Patriots too. I mean, uh, the Celtics, excuse me, the Celtics as well. It could, you know, yep. it could help that. Um, and one last thing I wanted to mention to you was the uh, NLCS, ALCS. You got the Houston Astros playing the Yankees yep. tomorrow in Houston. You got the Phillies and the Padres tonight in just about, uh, or it already started at 8.03, I believe it was. Let me see if I can check that score here. Uh, 0-0, bottom of the first inning, guy on first base. 
uh, after one Soto walk. So the Phillies uh, already gave a base run on the bottom of the first. Who do you like in this series uh, between the Phillies and the Padres? So I like the Phillies. I think they're on this kind of Cinderella run. And not that both teams are because, you know, five and six seeds going to the NLCS is basically unheard of. Um, but I think Bryce Harper is, you know, one of the best players in MLB. He has been for a while, and he's absolutely on fire right now. He batted 500 in the NLDS, I think it was. Yeah, no, he was he was on a tear, on a tear. And I mean, you know, Schwarber was second in the league in home runs this year. You got a lot of other guys who are getting hot at the right time. Number one um, in the NL in home runs, and then number one in uh, number two, number one in the NL. You're right, number one in the American, yep. number one in the National League, number two overall. Good stat there. I like yep. it. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously that kind of deep ball ability and the Phillies showed that, you know, game after game against Atlanta and Atlanta's pitching was no joke, you know, and they, they uh Strider, they did very well against Max uh, Reed. They hit a lot well of these guys. They hit a lot of them. And you're right, it's a big reason in doing that was Bryce Hopper. Three home runs, six RBIs, ten hits and twenty three at bats, three doubles, a four thirty five batting average and a fourteen thirty seven OPS in the postseason this year. He's been on a tear. That's a great point. And you could start with him, and then you could talk about Brandon Mosh having a great postseason. Mm-hmm. You talk about Nick Castellanos. His batting average, really, in the regular season wasn't great. Made some clutch plays in that Braves series. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think this Phillies team has a mojo to them that just is going to keep riding. I think they win in six. That's my prediction. How do you feel if you were putting a number on it? Seven, six? I, number? I, I, t- I like Phillies in six. I mean... Phillies at five six. It depends on the way the series goes. I mean, I I do think it's it's you know it, it's going to be a good series. I think you know both teams fought really hard to be here. It's, it's not like they just kind of got the pass to the to the NLDS and then had to win that series at five. Um, both both teams you know played in the wild card. Both teams finished you know and it fought to get into the postseason. Um, and here they are now, and, and you know they're four wins away each from. You know, a World Series appearance, which is absolutely insane to think about. You know yeah. that San Diego dethroned the 111 win Dodgers, and you know the the Phillies going through Atlanta to be here as well. In St. Louis, I mean, they were underdogs in both of those series, right. uh, and mm-hmm. the Padres were too. The Padres were underdogs against the Mets, and then also underdogs against the Dodgers, obviously as well. Um, honestly, both teams, I respect for what they went through. I was rooting against the Padres in all three rounds because I like the Mets because I like Scherzer, Degrom. I agree. Uh, I like the Dodgers, obviously, which you know about. I think they're the most well-run team in all of sports, uh, considering they have seven top 100 prospects, and then they spend the most money in the major leagues, and they're not afraid to make a big move for a superstar like Trey Turner, Max Scherzer. Obviously, Trevor Bauer didn't work out, but they're not afraid to make a big move. I think the most well-run team in all of sports. That's why I respect them. That's why I like them. And then mm-hmm. you look at it. Now they're facing the Phillies. My grandfather's a Phillies fan, so I like them. I will be rooting for the Phillies in this series. I know you like the Phillies as well. So we're rooting yep. for the Phillies, and I think they could go on a magical run and keep this going. Uh, as for the Houston Astros and the Yankees series, I think I said the Astros in seven, just based off gut reaction. Uh, they were 5-2 and two against the Yankees in the regular season, I believe, is what I said earlier. How do you feel about that series? I like the Astros there, and I watched the Yankees game today almost in its entirety um, from about like the second inning on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was after Stanton hit the three-run homer on the first. Yeah, tough, tough round yep. with Easton, boy. But it's okay. I yep. mean, got, that's, I know. that's great for the program. I texted you this. I said, even if he had a bad game, <laughs> pitching in a game five, win a takeout, do a die, win a go home, that is huge for the Northeastern program to say, hey, we had a kid drafted in the third round 2016. Five years later, made his way all the way up to the majors. I think he made his debut in 2021. And now is pitching in game five of the ALDS to go to the ALCS. Very impressive. And yep. even though he didn't pitch great, it's still very good for the program. He did strike out Aaron Judge, too. At least he can take that home with him, too. Uh, but yep. as you were saying, though, you saw the second inning and on. And what did you see? Um, I saw... 
one of the biggest things that stood out to me, and I guess this doesn't really have too many playoff implications, uh, but when when Judge ended up going deep, um, when he rounded home plate, he kissed the Yankee symbol, and then when he made his way through the dugout, he did it again on his jersey. He lifted it up to his lips and you know made sure to show his love for the franchise. I don't know how much you can really read into that, knowing that you know he's an he's a impending free agency and everything like that. And he's going to get probably one of the biggest contracts, if not the biggest, that we've seen mm-hmm. on the historics that he's had. Definitely. Uh, I had a hunch, just as a Red Sox fan trying to not get my hopes up, that he would stay in New York, even though I'd love to see him leave because we don't like the Yankees. Uh, but I do think I do think the Astros overall are the better team. I mean, we'll see if, if Ben Attendee can come back for the Yankees. I think he'd be a great addition for them mm-hmm. right now. Uh, the game I saw him play at Fenway this year with... The Yankees, he had that diving catch. He also batted in the game-winning run. Um, or he was the game-winning run. I forget which one, but heartbreaking as a Red Sox fan. You know, Definitely. just him do that in the Yankees. Definitely. I take Astros six. I like the Astros here. Maybe Astros in seven. That's what um, it is. I'm, I was Astros in six or seven. I went Astros in seven, uh, and then I went with the Phillies in six. So similar to you both ways. I think at the end of the day, uh, I like both teams to win no matter if it's six or seven. I, I like yep. both those teams. I think... Just the way that the Astros battled. I mean, Jordan Alvarez with the walk-off in, in game one against Seattle. That team had so much heart. And, and for them to, you know, take that series in three games. And obviously they took the third and was basically two games long with 18 innings. Um, I, I think that team has fought really hard to be here. Uh, they'll be the home team in the ALCS, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. The Astros will be the home team, yes. Yep. Uh, and obviously Yankees coming off no days of rest going into tomorrow. They just pitched... Nasty Nestor Cortez today. Um, You're right. I, I think I think the Houston Astros will will go to the World Series for the fourth time in six years. I think it will be. Yes. Yeah. They've made it um, a ton. Obviously, 2019 ended up losing the World Series to the Nationals. Um, mm-hmm. 2020, they lost in the ALCS to the Rays. I believe I remember right. Um, then obviously uh, last year losing to the Braves. This year, having another opportunity uh, to maybe yep. make it again. Uh, there was a magical yep. run for the Braves last year. I think the Phillies can make another magical run, too. I will want the Phillies to win no matter who wins in any of these four series, uh, two series, I- any of these four teams. I like the mm-hmm. Phillies the most. Obviously, my grandfather was a fan of them, and ever since I met them in, like, 2015, that was right around the time I became a fan of them. I was a big Ryan Howard guy, and they had a lot of guys back then, Darren Ruff and Odell uh, Dubal Herrera and Cesar Hernandez and a ton of guys I was a fan of, and I met a lot of them. They were all nice guys. Jeff Frank Hoare. Um, I was a fan of them since then, and I was kind of staying with them ever since, and now they're a really good team, and I know my grandfather would be psyched, so I'll be rooting for them, obviously, to do good things. Um, but one last thing I want to mention to you um, was, let me see, DJ LeMahieu. So we're talking injuries. DJ LeMahieu uh, <coughs> might not be on the team for the Yankees for the ALCS. We were just talking about Ben Benintendi maybe coming back. The Yankees obviously lost, uh, lost Michael King um, in the off, uh, in not the offseason, in the regular season. They lost him to an injury. The Yankees have some injuries. The Astros are kind of healthy for the most part at the right time. We'll see in what happens. Um, yep. But you got the Astros in seven in the Phillies in six. That's what you got? Yep. I like it. I'm with you there. Um, and any other takes you got? So we talked Zappi versus Jones. Obviously talked some Celtics. Talked some Bruins as well. The Bruins looking good now uh, with it being 3-3. How do you like the way the Bruins have looked in the first three games, now this being the fourth? I've loved it. I have a good feeling about this team. I like the fact that when they asked Coach Jim Montgomery about, you know, what what he's seen from the team so far and how he how he wants to evaluate them, he said, "I want to wait for sixty three, seventy three, and forty eight to be back on the ice, and then we can talk." And I think those are, 
you know, some of the best players in the league, especially Martian and uh, McAvoy. Definitely. You know, you're talking premier, a premier forward, a premier defenseman. Uh, Grizzly is a great guy, too. You know, I'm hoping he can kind of have a bounce-back season as well. Uh, but the way that this team has played so far, you got depth scoring, like a guy like Greer, who we mentioned earlier, uh, has been doing unbelievable to start the year. Played for the junior Bruins, you know, in his early hockey career. And I think that kind of, you know, lit a spark under him when he got a chance to play for the actual Bruins. Uh, mm -hmm. So much like Another BU product as well. Mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, he's not great. Yep, McAvoy and Grizz, like I mentioned. And, you know, I, I really I really have a good feeling right now. Um, and I don't want to jinx it or anything like that. Uh, I love the way this team has looked. I like the new style of play that they've kind of had. And I know it's a small sample size. Uh, I hope they get Pasta locked up soon. But I think I think they will. I think they will lock up Pasta. I don't know how you can't. I don't mm -hmm. know you can't lock up Pasta. The, me and Michael were just talking. One of the best slap shots in the league. Put him anywhere mm -hmm. with the ice. He could score from anywhere. Yep. I mean, you saw the goal he had last night. It was ridiculous. Insane. Going through, um, what was his name, Mark Stahl's legs. Yeah, that it was ridiculous. Was a great play. It was a great play. Mm -hmm. Me and Michael just said, you made a good point. You said Moshin and McAvoy, two of the best players in the league. <laughs> Moshin's one of the best goal scorers. And McAvoy, both of those guys are top 40 plays in the NHL. My uncle said the top 30 to 40 players. I'd put them both in the top 40. Yeah, McAvoy's one of the most sound defensemen in, in all of uh, the NHL. So I'd I think McAvoy's, personally, I think he's a top three defenseman in the league. I mean, give or take. If you don't have him in your top five, I think your top five's wrong. But I can I see think it's disrespect if you don't. Yep, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I don't think I'm biased when I say that. I mean, you look at all the stats, you look at the advanced metrics. He's been top five in Norris voting for the last two, three years now. And he's also one of the younger defensemen in the league, which is also another great thing. Um, Marshan, you look at what he's done in season tests and everything like that. Uh, you know, just the production he's been able to have in, as a veteran. And just the energy that he brings to the game. I mean, my dad always says he's the player who will drag everyone else into the fight. And right. I think you need a guy like that, especially when the playoffs roll around. Um, I obviously want to make sure that both those guys, or all three of them actually, including Grizzik, are completely healthy before they come back into the lineup. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a good debate to have is you look at this team now and you're wondering who's who's going to get edged out, you know? who Who's the defenseman who's going to slot out when you – or? When you get Grizzlick and... Forward or forward, I mean... Forward back, you know, well, and a forward. Too. Well, mm -hmm. doesn't play well. Who's going to be kicked out of that line? Because, I mean, the Bruins have had 12 different goal scorers now. Yeah. Nuts. Everyone's I mean, scoring. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and to have that kind of secondary scoring this early into the season, you just hope and pray that it keeps up and uh, they can continue to ride the wave. And I think, you know, it's very interesting. Craig Smith was a healthy, healthy scratch tonight. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Because, you know, he was a very, very solid guy for us two years ago. And last year, he was... He scored some goals. He scored some yeah. goals last year. He, had, he went on a little bit of a run. Him and uh, yeah. Hala or whatever went on runs, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, timing. Smith was great. I think this is the last year of his contract. There were rumors that we might trade him, but you know how the, room, the rumors can only get you so far. I mean, definitely. I mean, that's the end of the day. NHL, there was many trades too in other sports. So the rumors might actually be legit in the NHL since there's not many rumors, not many trades yeah. that happen in the NHL. So a rumor could actually be true, I guess. But I had one last thing I want to mention to you, which I was talking to your dad about. Obviously, Bruins have two goalies. Almach started game one. Swayman and Almach keep switching out now. Who starts? Who do you give mm -hmm. the edge to if you had a pick? Who should be the one? Or do you not have a preference right now? You're waiting to see. So I feel like they're both so good. You just got to ride the hot hand. If you asked me before the season, I would have said Swayman should be starting game one. If you asked me today, I think if we somehow in, just in the playoffs and you had to pick who's your game one starter tomorrow, which obviously isn't how it works, but... I think you go with Allmark. I think it's one of those things where you just got to kind of ride the hot hand. Um, and it's, it's nice that you have a guy who, uh, no matter who you put in, you, you got a great backup. Like we had the same conversation with the Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi debate. Right. It's 
it's it's good when you have both you know great goalies who who the team can be comfortable playing in front of no matter what and mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a great thing for this team that a lot of people haven't really paid too much attention to um yeah just you know after you lose Rask you know it, there was like that huge question of who's gonna be the next guy and who's then, the next franchise goalie I mean I give Rask yeah. credit too for coming back even though I mean he wasn't the same trying to come back from that hip injury, that was honestly credit to him for even trying. Because, I mean, obviously he went through a ton of rehabbing, a uh, ton of conditioning, trying to get back on the ice. Obviously it didn't work out, but I give guys credit for trying to get back. And you know I rate hustle and how much guys, you know, try or whatever when they're on the ice and on the field and on the court. I give a lot of credit to that, even if the player's not the best player. If a guy tries, I give him the respect. Obviously Rask gets his respect in it, so how good he was. But I give respect for obviously, obviously trying. And then maybe he showed the ropes to swim and stuff. I mean, even though he wasn't playing, maybe he gave them some tips or whatever. Maybe he was in the locker room with them telling them what to do. And you yeah. know, he was a great leader. So losing him was a big loss on the ice, obviously, as a franchise goalie. And then also leadership-wise, too, since he was a, the Bruins goalie since we won the Cup, right? Wasn't that his first year? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of his first years, I think it might have been a second, and he he was going to be the start of that year and ended up backing up Tim Thomas, who had that unbelievable run. Thomas had a um, run. Yeah, Thomas had a run. But Jackson now went down 4-3, to three, unfortunately. So, yeah, dead. but I think, oh, that's that's a bummer. Um, uh, Shane Pinto, goal. What can you do? Gotcha. Sorry, I mean, it's still a long game. Second period, 8-3 yep. to go. Yep, and hopefully the bees can bounce back. Um, but like you said, you know, that kind of mentorship from veterans in the locker room is something I feel like is so understated. You saw, you know, McAvoy and his kind of friendship on and off the ice with Chara and I think he attributed a lot of his growth as a player in his early playing days to you know the kind of mentorship that he got from Chara and uh you know obviously being his team partner for like the first few years of his career um once he kind of got things going he had that you know post for Chara when he announced his retirement and signed the one day with the Bruins mm-hmm. I, we have a lot of veterans on this team who are able to kind of pass on knowledge to the young guys uh, you know, Bergeron has always been that kind of presence, it feels like. Bergeron, Krejci now, too, back. Krejci's a great yeah, leader. I mean, he's he's been great so far this year. Just just the things that he does with the puck on the ice, the way he sees the game, it's it, he's such a great hockey player. He still mind. looks like he's crisp out there, too. He still looks oh, like he's crisp. Yeah, absolutely. I, think I mean, it's good, too, that, he, you know, even if he played in Europe last year, he played, which is the big thing. And, I mean, uh, even if, you know, coming back to the NHL is an adjustment, I mean, Multi point nine in his first game back, so so what more can you ask for, you know? Yeah, no, we could have we could have used him last year, honestly. I know obviously him and mm-hmm. Cassidy maybe had their differences, but we honestly could have used him last year probably. And not, not even probably, we could have. Could have used him last yeah. year. I agree completely. Um so anyways, hey, I'll let you go back and watch a Bruins game, but hey, any other points you want to make? Any other hot takes? Anything? Um you mention? Because we talked about a baseball, so you have anything there. Um you can mention anything you want. I, I always let you have one more last take in case you have one. There's no rush, obviously. Yep. In, you don't have what's all good. I I honestly think think I covered everything for the most part. I Zappy was Mac Jones. That might be the biggest hot take. Hey, <laughs> I, I yeah. like what you said, though. I mean, you obviously got to ride the hot hot hit. If Zappy were to win on Monday night, I mean, it might be tough to take uh, Mac out of that you know starting spot or putting Mac from the bench to the starting spot over Zappy is what I mean. But yeah. you made a good point, though. Uh, best point you made about Zappy was that I mean, at the end of the day, even if it is. Even if he does not, he doesn't. There was at least a controversy to be made. It's at least a discussion. I'm with you. That's a great point. I completely agree. And I don't think the controversy's over. This is my last point, actually. I don't think the controversy's mm-hmm. over if Mac Jones gets healthy this week and he gets to start against Chicago. I think five, he had five interceptions in his first two starts. Five, two touchdowns, five picks. And that's not something Belichick's going to want to see. So even, even if Mac Jones gets back to QB1, He's on a tighter leash than he has been for the first year and some change in his career. I right. think Zappy's made it a question of, 
you know, is is Mac Jones the undeniable starter, or if he continues to make mistakes, are we going to put another guy in? You're right, and Zappi's looks very crisp. That's another thing. It's tough to take a guy out and looking crisp when the team's winning 2-0. and They have trails in a game, whether or not it's just because of Zappi or the whole team's playing well, which I think it's kind of both. The team's playing well. Zappi's playing well. Obviously, the defense is playing very well, and you have easier opponents, at least, with the Browns and the Lions. I think the ball keeps rolling. I think it makes it hard to take Zappi out of that starting spot. But I think Mac Jones, he made you guys go to the playoffs last year as a rookie. First-round pitch. I know you guys didn't trade up for him. It's not like you guys traded up like Trey Lance to get Trey Lance like the Niners did, and you gave up all that draft capital to get him. Or Russell Wilson, the Bronx shared all that draft capital. You're never going to really play a backup over any of those two guys. Just like Dak Prescott, even with how good Cooper Rush was playing, you're not going to play... Cooper Rush over Dak Prescott because of how much money he's making. Um, I think this is different than with Mac Jones. You got him at the 15th pick in the first round, but you didn't have to trade up to get him. So if you want to just play Zappi over him at the end of the day and you think he's better, you don't really yep. owe as much to Zappi, uh, owe as much to Mac Jones as you do with Zappi. I mean, both of them, very similar quarterbacks, I guess, the way they both play. Obviously, Zappi's a little smaller. It looks like Mac's a bigger kid. Um, I do think at the end of the day, it's going to be tough to take Zappi out of position if he's 3-0 and and he wins on Monday night if he starts. I think that's the best way to put it. Yep, I think if he has another great showing, it's it's really going to be a question. And it doesn't matter to Belichick, you know, like you said, if we pick him 15th overall, if, you know, uh, if Zappi's playing well, he's going to ride the hot hand. Well, look at what the Patriots did in the Super Bowl. I know as he didn't work out, Benji yep. Malka Butler, and then also, you know, having Eric Rowan, Alshon Jeffrey, but Belichick doesn't, Belichick doesn't care about who you are, how much money mm-hmm. you're making, where you were drafted. If he doesn't like what you're doing out there, whether it's attitude-wise like Malka Butler or whatever, or what he was doing the night before the Super Bowl, or it's if a guy's not performing well and he's a first-round pick, it doesn't matter. Take yep. it right out. Besides, exactly. maybe Nikhil Harry was the only one that maybe got too, too, too long of a leash, which maybe it was just because <laughs> he didn't really have much at receiver. Zappi's mm-hmm. playing well enough when Mac Jones can come out. I guess the Patriots didn't really have much at receiver, so Harry had to play when he was healthy or whenever he was on the field. I think at the end of the day, you look at it, I think if Zappi continues to play well, it's going to be hard to take Mac out. But I think if I had to choose right now, I'm staying with Mac Jones. Got you guys to the playoffs last year, but I would not be surprised if Zappi were to stay at the starting position. Yep, I completely agree. But hey, anything else you want to add in? I love these takes, though. Yeah, I think I'm good. I appreciate you having me on again. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, Mark. Mark Walsh, check out his music, Mark Walsh Music. He has three songs up on Spotify. Thinking to his latest single, out on Spotify, came out in June, I believe. Uh, add in a couple more songs, Time Zone, a song with Fat Hosey, another guy you should check out, Fat Hosey, and then also reappear his first song, his debut single, also out on Spotify. That came out around the pandemic, right? March 2020, sometime around then, yep. or sometime in 2020 that came out. So check that out, guys. Three songs there to check out. Uh, as I, I'll repeat them one more time, reappear, Time Zone, Thinking 2. He has new music coming out hopefully soon. I, I, I go at this kid every single day time to put out <laughs> new music hopefully he does soon but uh he's the best around uh with music his best uh with sports takes as well so thank you so much for coming on mark always a pleasure yeah thank you for having me appreciate it have a good night bro take it easy thank you thanks my guy yeah. great to have him come on mark walsh the sports legend Aussie the sports comedian my uncle coming on as well thank you guys both so much for coming on tonight i'm gonna give you guys a quick rundown of all the scores and then i'm gonna uh, dip out i do an intramural flag football game at 9 15 so Gonna dip out, unfortunately. Just to reiterate, the Yankees beat the Guardians 5-1 in the ALDS Game 5 matchup today. Winner go home. The Yankees end up winning. They'll be playing tomorrow against the Houston Astros. It'll be Jamison Tyone on the mound for that Yankees team against Justin Verlander. Tyone has only pitched one game now in the postseason. Didn't even record an out in that game. Let me see what his final stats were. Which I had them written down uh, here, but probably take me time to find it. Let me see what he did. So he pitched in... A game once already in the postseason was not a great game for him. He pitched on Friday, picked up the loss for that Yankees team, did not record an out in that 
inning, uh, giving up three hits, two earned runs with no strikeouts and no walks, 18 pitches in that game. He will be on the mound tomorrow for that Yankees team against Justin Verlander playing the Houston Astros at 737 in that opener for that ALCS game one. Tonight, Phillies and Padres already playing in game one of the NLD, NLCS, that is. Uh, the first time the Phillies have made the NLCS since 2011, I believe I said. Let me make sure there. Yeah, 2010, that is. First time the Phillies have made the NLCS since 2010. First time the Padres since 1998. It is 0-0 in the top of the third inning. On the mound for the Padres is Yu Davish. He has already gone two innings, giving up no hits, no runs, two strikeouts to a walk. As the Phillies, Zach Wheeler's on the mound, two, inning, two innings on the mound, no hits allowed, three strikeouts to one walk. So each pitcher has allowed no hits, giving up a walk apiece uh, in two innings. As for the Celtics, they are playing their opener tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. At half, it is 63-63. The 76ers have been getting a lot of help on the offensive end from James Harden. 22 points in the first half with four assists and three rebounds. Harden playing very well from the floor. 5 of 9 shooting with 4 of 7 shooting from 3. And 8 of 8 shooting from the free throw line. Tobias Harris, their fourth scoring option. 14 points, 2 rebounds. Tyrese Maxey, starting point guard. 9 points, 2 assists. 4 of 6 shooting from the field. 1 of 2 from 3. Superstar, potential MVP for this year. Which I'm going to give my NBA predictions tomorrow at some point. Joel Embiid, 16 minutes on the floor. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, a block. And 3 of 7 shooting from the floor. As the Celtics, 20 minutes from Jason Tatum, 16 points, 4 rebounds, a block, and an assist. With a turnover and 5-9 shooting, with 1-4 shooting from 3 and 5-7 shooting from the free throw line. One thing Tatum got to get better at is shooting from the free throw line. 5-7 shooting from the free throw line. He's got to be drilling free throws. These are free throws. Come on, Tatum. Jalen Brown, 18 minutes on the floor, 18 points. He did have five straight shots. Actually scored at one point. So five straight shots he's made uh, at one point at the end of the first half. One assist, one rebound, one block. Two turnovers. So one thing they both got to limit is turnovers between Tatum and Brown. One of six shooting from the three-point line for Brown. Seven of 14 shooting from the uh, from the floor. As a Brogdon, 10 scoring for him. 10 points uh, scoring with one rebound, two assists, five of seven shooting from the floor, and a plus two, plus minus ratio. Al Horford has a plus six, plus minus ratio, best on the Celtics team. Blake Griffin has added 1.4 rebounds and one assist and five minutes of action. Grant Williams, five points of action off the bench. Uh, in eight minutes of action, so five points in eight minutes of action, and then Al Horford three points, three rebounds, and an assist. The Bruins are now down six to four, which I mentioned they were down four to three. As for the Bruins, they added another goal. Nick Foligno scored when the Bruins were down six to three, uh, making it a six to four game with two minutes to go in the third period, uh, second period. So they still got the whole third period to go. As for Northeastern University and BC Hockey tonight in a Hockey East showdown on a Tuesday night at Matthews Arena. Very rare Tuesday night showdown uh, in the Hockey East. 2-2 two two right now. Northeastern tied it up off a goal from Matt DeMellis uh, with an assist from Matt Chupani and Braden Doyle in the second period. As for Holy Cross and AIC, AIC Hockey finds themselves down 5-2 at the Springfield Civic Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. They are down 5-2-2 Holy Cross. Holy Cross is 0-4 on the year. As for AIC, 2-1-2. and two. AIC did get a goal from superstar scorer Blake Bennett had a power play goal to make it a 4-1 game in the second period. Hopefully they turn it up in uh, the second period or in the third period. There's only third period to go, uh, 14 minutes to go for them. Both of those teams 
Uh, we'll be returning to action. Northeastern will be returning to action on Saturday, playing UMass Lowell. And then AIC actually has some time off. Uh, BC will be playing Sunday, October 23rd at home. Their season, uh, or second game at home, actually. They played Colgate. Oh, no, Colgate. They did not play Quinnipiac. They played at home. Uh, the first game of the year, losing that game four to nothing. BC will be playing UNH on Sunday at home at one o'clock. AIC will be hosting Lindenwood, uh, a new team to Division One hockey. Lindenwood they will be hosting on Sunday at home in Springfield at three o five. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Mark Walsh and my uncle. Both of you guys, thank you guys so much for coming on. As to everyone that listened, all of my family, shout out to Dan and Phil, two guys that are New York Mets and New York Giants fans. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, thank you to the Keith family, the Loftus family. Thank you guys, as always, for taking the time to listen. It means a lot to me. It means a world to me, you guys listening in. The Sports Guru, Easy e thank you guys for listening in. Thank you guys for your takes. Uh, I know Easy e is a big Sixers fan, so Sixers, 63-63 at half. I do, I do have the Celtics winning by one or two, but I would not be surprised if the Sixers were to go around in the second half. James Harden gets hot. Uh, he's tough to stop if he gets hot. He didn't really much in the playoffs for them last year, but if he gets hot, he's tough to stop. At the end of the day, uh, I will be rooting for the Phillies. I know we can side on that. Hopefully the Phillies win in six games over the Padres. Rooting for them to do well tonight. Uh, and thank you guys, everyone else for listening. Whoever else is listening, thank you guys. It means the world to me. I appreciate it heavily. Thank you guys to my, thank you guys, uh, to my whole family, my siblings, my mom, my dad. Thank you guys, as always. Uh, my uncle, uh, my cousins as well, Frankie John, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, I know he helped out uh, with some of the technical difficulties we had. Uh, thank you guys, as always. I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. I will be back on again tomorrow night for the Playbook with Joey and Zach from 8 to 9 p.m. here on WZBC AM Sports Radio. Have a good one. Enjoy the rest of you guys' nights. Thank you.